Hey, everybody. Welcome to Row Hunting Resources Podcast. All right. For uh, this episode, we have on my platform for the very, I think it's the very first time. I know I've been on uh, yours, but uh, we have Aaron Snyder, Gafaru. Brother, how you been? What's up? Yeah, I've been good. It hasn't been that long. Uh, we just spent five and a half hours together. <laughs> right, right. But it's but I've always I've always been over on your side of the the uh, the uh, equation. So it's good to have you over on this side. And, and I like the uh, the informal backdrop. Anytime I'm on yours, it, it ends up being you know you're sitting in the studio, and I feel like I'm there's pressure to perform in in, in such high high uh, performance atmosphere. This is just yeah, me. My, this is my garage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my editing editing room, which is my office. My wife had built for me when she did our house, where I do all the photo editing and things like that. So nice. Yeah. No, nice. it's been interesting, and I think that uh, like you know, Chris and I just did a podcast on mine, but like anybody tuning in, I don't think people realize how long you and I have known each other. Different events we've done together. Like I have people all the time. Like, how long do you know Chris? And I'm like. Dude, I, it's it, right, and that's the thing is, I kept, I was thinking about that one of the last times you brought that up, and like, I don't know where we originally crossed paths. I do remember, like, I'm, I'm dead serious. I don't know how we met, and I don't know where, I, uh, but I do remember um, one of the first at length conversations we had was. I was you. This was when you were, you had to have, you had to have gotten involved with Kafaru in some way, long enough, to where I was still using the old Horn Hunter packs, and you yeah. knew my military background, and you knew that, you know, try to support U.S. companies and that type of stuff, and so you kind of busted my balls, and you were like, "Dude, what the freaking hell are you doing? Like, why are we, why why are you using that pack?" And you're not, you know, using Kefaro. And, and like, I didn't even know a thing about the, the Kefaro packs at all. And I said, listen, you know, I, I got hooked up with these guys. They took care of me. Dance with the one that brung you. Uh, I just use their backpack and uh, it's fine. Well, guess what? I mean, obviously life changes. But I think that's the, that's literally the, the first conversation that I remember because it was, it was a good lengthy you know, we, it was a it was a really good intellectual engagement. And you and I, as we got to know each other better, there's certain units that I had hunted that you knew I was hunting. That oh, that's you had right. Hunted that's right. And things like that. That's right. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting, like, you know, and I try to, uh, you know, explain to people, I'm like, look, when you, you know, let's let's hypothetically say I knew you in 2007, 8. We met in 2010 or 11. Right. Something like that. Right. You know, that's, you know, 22, 23 years, you know, whatever, uh, you know, 24, you know, whatever, or not 20, 14, 14, you know, 12, 13, 14. Th that time, Minimum. and it's weird, the glass is so easy to fill when you're younger. Um, when you get older, it's a, lot e it's a lot harder to fill that glass, right? And so, you know, when you're young and dumb and running around and it's like, oh, I'm just happy to be alive and seeing some elk or whatever you don't realize what you, you maybe you have at that time. And right. then one of the conversations we're, we're having tonight, as you fast forward and you're looking back at the, the good old days. And it's funny. I almost posted a, um, I had made kind of a reel by a guy. I can't remember this, the country singer. It's called the good old days, my ass. And it's about farming. Right. And 
running a tractor with no cab and whatever. He was like, yeah, good old days of my ass. Right. But in reverse, the farther you go back in our era, the better the hunting has been. Right. And so like we talked about that in the podcast you and I had done people's good old days right now are 2020. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of the people are looking at current, you know, not years ago. And, and that's the thing that I I'm really, you know, it, and I, I will own this as a, um, I'll, I'll own this mistake. Cause I, I, cause I, I will, I will, I, I believe it can be classified as a, as a mistake on my part, or at least a failing on my part. The, the amount of times that I've talked about value sets, especially when we're talking about animal activists, when we're talking about politics and that type of stuff and, and understanding the non-hunter and, and, you know, all that type of stuff and messaging, I'm always hammering value sets and understanding where the person is coming from. And as I, you know, this past several months now, I've been, maybe, maybe there's been a little angst. I've been, a, I've been a little bit, uh, fired up, if you will, about certain things in the, in the hunting industry and in this, in this lifestyle of ours. And, and I've kind of gotten fired up about just being disappointed in what I'm seeing with, with some people on the landscape, but that I will say that I, I didn't really internalize the fact that, man, we have a lot of us in our age class, like what you just said, they're still out there and crushing it. But we do have a hell of a lot of younger hunters, you know, adult onset hunters, you know, that never grew up hunting, that got into college and got into their, their real world, professional world, and then decided to start hunting that man, they don't have 20, 30 years of experience on the landscape to pull from. They're only, they're, they're pulling from, from the past couple of years. And so their good old days are like literally right now, you know. And, and, and this is, this is not an uphill both ways thing. Like, you know, you're, it right. was knee deep snow. This is, it was better. Oh my back God. In these, <laughs> so oh my when God. you said I was on the way back and, and Chris and I are about the same age, same background, same, a lot of things. And, you know, I'm struggling, you know, somewhat mentally. I call Chris on the way back and we're talking about social media and shit, whatever. And uh, in this conversation, Chris was like, hold on. You've got to remember your good old days are not the same good old days as somebody that started in 2018, 1920. And I, I it was a, you know, what, what do they call that in Pulp Fiction? I had a moment of clarity. Yes. I was like fudge i didn't think of that you know and it makes and it and so here i am i'm I'm telling you that and then i'm falling into the trap of forgetting that myself and it's like it's it's hard to wrap your head around um and 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 i know and again we're i want to we've got to we've got to we always do better when we just spitball this shit and don't really have an outline like per se we've got a topic that we, we might touch on if if the rabbit holes allow us. But um, you know, I look at some of these sportsmen's issues and advocacy issues and and some of the things that I've been railing on these days, and I'm like, man, I have to, I have to keep in mind that some of these people just they're they're not in the same they're we're we're sportsmen, we're hunters, we're passionate about it, we're passionate about the lifestyle, but out what we're pulling from is wildly different wildly different like i remember like if it, 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 we've talked about this 
Uh, whether we're talking about the areas around Vail, whether we're talking about some of the areas that I used to hunt down in Southern Colorado, man, if I had the knowledge and the ability that I have now, and I could just magically go back in time with that skill set and then go back on the landscape of what we were chasing and what we were doing back in quote unquote, our good old days. Oh my word. And the thing, I wrote an article recently that was in Bill Hunter Magazine, and and I called it back when I was your age, and it was about my age catching up with me physically, right? Like, you know, you know how it is, hey, don't carry that by yourself, get help, oh, what do you know, you know, know, whatever, right? Yeah, right. Well, when you, when you rewind, and I'm getting to the age now where, like, you know, I'm grabbing, when I say kids, but, you know, kids, I could be, they could be my kids. And I'm literally like trying to grab them and I'm like, enjoy it, cherish it. It goes quickly. You know, I'm like, they're like easier. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, right. live every day like it was your last, Co- accomplish every goal, chase after everything you want because it goes so fast. And when you're, when you're there, you don't realize it. Right. And when I, when I say that the hunting, which is what we're going to talk about in a minute Back then, right when I got into backpack hunting, you know, you know, whatever decades ago, you know, it was just a given. If you hiked farther, yep. you got into more animals. Which oh, that, that was the stand. That was the standard statement. If you want to get into animals, get more than a mile off the road. Like that was that that was just it. That's all you. I mean, it, it was like the no brainer. Like this is what you do. I mean, people were doing seminars about that topic. It's like seriously okay. now, now you, I, I, I want to hunt within a mile of the road because there's less people there now. Yeah, I see more people in the backcountry. And I'll say I'm part of the problem with that. You know, I've helped promote it. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've done, you know, and this isn't a, like a, a, what do you call that, braggadocious or a bragging thing, right? This is, at one time, physical ability and mental toughness would carry me. I will out-hike them. I will outlast them. I'm good, right? I can, I, I, will, I, will, I will stay longer. I will, you know, whatever. Yeah, not now. No. I mean... They may not know what they're doing, but they're every bit as fit or fitter than I am. And they have not as much knowledge, but they have mental toughness, right? They're, you'll run into guys back there that have no idea how to hunt high country mule deer or call an elk, but they're going to be there, right? right. <laughs> They'll be back there. And then, and then the other thing too is all of their gear is, is top tier gear now to where it, there's no, I'm not going to say there's no limiting factor, but the, the, the threshold, the barrier to entry on performance in those conditions is, is way lower. Like when I started the elk study, dude, I was using my army fatigues that I went, when I got out of the military that I had with me, like I just, that's all I was wearing the cotton fatigues, you know? And for the first year, like literally well, the first, well, uh, it was months. Cause I, I learned really quickly, but Literally, I was using the stupid freaking army boots because I didn't know what boot to buy. And I'm like, screw it. I, you know, I, I just spent how many years wearing these stupid black things and my, I can, I can perform there. There's no reason why I can't perform up on the mountain and until you, you until you're like, hmm, those, well, and those I, other boots well, are, are much nicer. <laughs> one, of the, one of the Snyderisms is if you're going to be poor, you got to be tough. Right. right. And, and that's true. Right. And so like, when you rewind back into, well, 2007, 2008, they had the, uh, uh, you know, a big snowstorm in Colorado, um, you know, hurt the deer population, especially. But at, at one time, 
and I don't want to go into units or anything, but like buddies of mine were talking about bugling off the road out of a truck at 10 o'clock at night, locating deer, or excuse me, locating elk, hiking back there in the morning, shooting that elk, right? Those, those times are gone, right? That, that does not happen anymore. And when I say driving, hiking, whatever, but bugling off the road. And the thing is now is areas that, and I sent you to one this year. Um, since I started hunting that, they've had 34 miles of roads closed um, in, that, in that area, that whole area, not where you were. Yep. Roads, roads closed, not just because of hunters, but ATV years and things like that. Mm-hmm. Elk adapt, right? And, and so years ago, I would tell guys, hey, if you're seeing them there in, in, in August, September, they're there every year. Until they get blown out, they find a new, and when I say blown out, extensive long-term pressure, they find another area. So the area that I sent you in still holds elk, but not like it did. I mean, we're talking calling them into camp back in the day. Right. Where now it's just not, it's not, you know, and everybody, humans, animals, you adapt, you, you evolve, you, you figure out, you got to survive. And that changes hunting areas greatly, like from year to year to year, especially over the span of a decade. Yeah. Well, and what we talked about too, I think, well, I think, yeah, we did talk about on that discussion. Um, that not only is the hunter pressure changing in the, in the hunter. Okay. So we've got, yes, we might have fewer overall numbers of people on the mountain. Theoretically. I I'm still, I, to, I it's hard to wrap my head around that concept, but I'll, I'll bring that back in a minute. I just read an article about that. That makes sense, but go ahead. All right. Well, okay. Well, what do you want to segue to it? Cause what I was going to get at is, you know, there's some people that say we don't have as many hunters on the landscape, but my argument is no, if that's the case, we might not, but the hunters we have today are way more driven, way more, uh, um, back in the day when you have somebody go buy a hunting license, they'd have a hunting license so that it sat in their pocket. Cause they might, might not, I don't know. I bought a license. Now, if someone buys a hunting license, they're freaking going hunting. And like they're they're gonna go for multiple days, most likely. It, it's it's gonna happen. And with equipment and everything else, they're gonna go into the field. It's not gonna you still have the people that are gonna drive the roads, you still have the people that are just farting around, but the the level of of engagement on the landscape of today's hunter is light years beyond what what we did when we were quote unquote growing up in this, especially Western public lands. Yeah, you know, you you nailed it. That was what it was about. Okay, well, there you go. And so when I say that, meaning gear, um, you know, whether it be the Onyx, Base Map, Go Hunt, whatever app, the internet, right? You you have, you know, forums and shit, whatever else. Um, so you have Google Earth, uh, Go Hunt, Base Map, Onyx, all the different mapping software. You have higher levels of gear. And what people don't realize is like when you rewind in... 2000 whatever analog phones like no internet like you did not have um that that easy button right if you hear that i'm pushing the easy button that easy button was getting your ass out in the field and learning and so one of the things not to pump your tires up too much what was funny and i've said this on my podcast and seminars when you started what you do there were people that are doing it right now today the exact same thing and i would swear on this on a bible that blasted you out of the water of how mm-hmm. dumb it was. 
And lo and behold, and, and honestly, if I drink, you know, another half bottle of screwball, it'll come out of me. I would have no issue mentioning their names. They made fun of you. You were stupid. It was oh, yeah. literally like you were you were go- going against, you know, whatever um, Catholicism, right? You were oh. going against the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was bastardizing the paradigm. That that is not. I mean, literally, I was the worst thing that was going to happen to hunting. And, and lo and behold, they all do it now. Oh, absolutely, everyone. And yeah. to the nth degree, some of them are are, are surpassing me as far as what, <laughs> what they're bringing to the table. It's like, okay, so it, the world is going to evolve, and 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 we're going to have an impact. And and uh, and this this tie, what I'm about to say is going to tie into our discussion. Is there are unintended consequences? There is no free lunch, you know. It, it or, or well, yeah, that. But the other thing too is. You know, no good deed goes unpunished, right? We 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 think yeah. we're going to help someone. We we want them to shorten their learning curve because we would like to see them more successful quicker than what we were. And guess what? Lo and behold, uh, yep, we made that Frankenstein's monster, and it is freaking <laughs> going all over the freaking landscape. And now we're sitting here talking about shit. We may have to shut down over the counter hunting across the West. Well, and, and when you look at that, so like, and I've, I've had, you know, I got a lot of time in my own thoughts, right? Like where I'm, especially like one of the things with Chris that's good is you can talk to a buddy, you talk about hunting, you talk to another buddy, you talk about bow tuning. There's going to be one person that really strikes that interest in bow tuning. There's a person that strikes that interest in, let's just say, being a better person or, or everyday day-to-day life. You know, you strike that interest in, in multiple things to where it's a very in-depth, deep, you know, one of those like moment of clarity conversations where, you know, I'm like, did I do the right thing? Right. Was what, what, is the world better? You know, and I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but meaning whatever little part I had in right. helping people backpack hunt or gear were the unattended consequences of that the right thing to do. because. It, for me, I wanted people to save money on gear, be more successful, you know, make that learning curve not quite so steep. And then you look at it now and it's like, and I will say with some of this, like, it wasn't just people like us or or, or Cam or whoever else, right? Like, I don't want to get into the Arizona thing immediately, but when you look at public oh, I land do, over I, the I do, I do want to get there because we did not touch on that as deeply as I wanted to in our discussion Uh so, yes, I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to circle back. So, and, and what we're talking about here, over-the-counter tags specifically, and we'll just bring up Colorado. Chris and I have of Colorado. What was the long-term consequence of promoting, and this goes into the Matt Ranella shit as well, promoting it on magazines, seminars, your, your app, um, you know, the, the elk hunting module, um, you know, me on, on social and YouTube and anything I've done, seminars I've done, how much did that affect public land over the counter hunting? And, and I'm, I'm to the point now where it's affected it a lot. And right. if right. you would have asked, you know, Aaron Snyder 10 years ago, uh, Hey man, you think people recognize you when you walk in the woods? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, there's little me's running around everywhere. Right. And when I say little me's, I'm not trying, like, again, same gear, right. Same, you know, listen to the podcast. You're, you're in my podcast on elk hunting. Right. And so we were trying to help, 
I'm sure we did help. But those unintended consequences you don't expect shutting down over-the-counter units. I mean, it's happening. It's going to happen, right? I, I don't think there's any other way. Well, and 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 we had talked about this, oh, hell, months and months and months ago about and, and brought this up. Um, and, and it was just a – and for my – Honestly, in my mind, it was just a, a mental exercise. It really didn't have. I didn't think it had the teeth in it that it did in the short term that it came to. I I I, I po, you know posited that and was like, you know, is the future of over the counting over the counter hunting dead? And I was thinking, you know, ten years from now, and now it, it very well may end up happening in Colorado in the next five-year big game season structure, which is 2024. And, and you and I did a podcast, one of the marathon ones, before we moved. Yep. And we did a four-hour podcast one day, three and a half the next. And I have got I got a lot of go fuck yourselves, you're a cocksucker, you know, I want to hunt every year. And at that time, I wasn't thinking of what you mentioned to me a month ago of those people that were like, I want to hunt, hunt every year. You know, I'm thinking, what do you want to go bow hiking? Cause that's what you're doing. That was their glory days. Right. So that was, that's all they know. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying I don't want you out here. I'm saying I want a better hunt for you. I want you to have a better time in the field. Right. And you, and this is like a parent, you know, when you're 18 and your, your mom and dad are telling you what to do and they don't know. And you're, you know, they do know what's best for you mostly. Right. And so I'm like trying to tell like, Hey, I'm telling you, come once every three years, have a better hunt, you know, potentially, obviously very, you know, black and white here, or come every year and not even see an elk. Well, when you're used to not seeing an elk or getting a glimpse or hearing a bugle, that's their glory days where you and me, our glory day was pretty easy to shoot a 280 inch bull um or a bull and a cow in the unit you and i were talking about i think three years in a row i shot a bull and a cow right within two days or the same day of each other of the same day right, right. now if i went public land otc and, and i'm you know mr aaron this fucking i, I would shoot a cow probably on otc because i like the meat right. the hunt, it, it's just different it's a different world well and and let me let me shit on that whole thought process too because this is what i just i me, I can't wrap my head around because it, it doesn't jive with my my value set. So we were sitting here talking. Um, the Colorado Division of Wildlife, I, I put my phone on airplane mode just to see if, um, um, I'm wondering if I still have it. Oh, I do. Okay, cool. Um, but the Colorado Division of Wildlife in, in, in talking about this upcoming five-year big game season structure and, and what they, what you want to do, what they're, thinking about doing for over-the-counter hunting they had this attitudes survey that they sent out to a bunch of people and got responses back from about about half resident hunters about half non-resident hunters and there was a distribution of ages in there but the vast majority of the people that responded were in that 35 to probably 65 age class right um like the number one and number two i'm gonna see if i can find it here a minute there we go the importance of the following factors to hunting big game. Number one, the number one most important factor to spend time in nature. 77% of the, it came out to where that was very important. That was the most important across the survey. 
And then 19% said it's moderately important. So we're still talking about, you know, 90 plus. The second most important thing was to spend time with family and friends. The third is to uh, to obtain wild game meat. Four was to contribute to wildlife management, which I think that's, I, I'm going to call bullshit on that one from a, from a, hunter value set that that's that's the i like i like to I, I like my safety blanket of the north american model of wildlife conservation to to make me feel better about me going and, and shooting shit but we can save that for a later date like to harvest a mature game animal is one two three four five six seven on the list so okay so you would here we are like I, I like as, a, and, and we can get to non-resident and resident because resident responses are different than non-resident responses as far as they, what, what, what the two parties want to see further in, in Colorado. But for me, all right. So you talked about, you know, maybe hunting every two or three years and having a quality hunt where I'm like, man, motherfucker, I want to be able to go every year. Now I will probably still go everywhere every year, but I'll just kind of bounce around somewhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's in Utah here or Colorado this year, you know, Wyoming, I might just have to get creative on my strategy and start round robining across the West, you know, where I hunt so that I have the ability to hunt every year. And I'm only talking about one state. As of now, I don't do normally, normally I don't do multiple state hopping. There's been a couple of years where I've done Colorado and New Mexico and a couple of years where I've, or a year where I did Colorado and Wyoming. So I've got, I, I've double dipped from time to time, but that's not my norm. I usually go on one elk hunt. I've just got too many other things going on. So I'm and here. We and start putting some pins in, in things because this is where you start talking about the unintended consequences, because I'm the guy that wants to go hunt every year. But if I can't in Colorado or somewhere else, I'm going to probably round around, skip jumping, and, and I'm going to probably go somewhere else, which means I'm going to be putting more pressure on these, uh, these adjacent States. You have the value set where I want to go and maybe hunt to every two or three years uh, and then have a high quality hunt. But based on the, the attitude survey, what you and I are, but ta- <laughs> got our cat in here. Um, what you and I are talking about is number four or seven, what four, three, to obtain just game meat is number three on the hierarchy of value sets by the vast majority of the people. This was a randomized survey. They did a good job on, on the randomized survey. Uh, and as a survey goes, they got a fairly decent return rate. Um, they got 41% of, of the people that they sent this out to responded, which That's good. Yeah. it's from a survey. It's good from a sportsman's engagement. Come on. That's freaking, like, how do you, I don't know. Anyway, we, we could talk about that later too. But from a survey standpoint, that's freaking phenomenal. So if you look at what the attitudes are, they don't even jive with what you and I are talking about right now. Because the vast majority of people are more interested in going and spending time out in nature with family having fun. Yeah, that, that's hard for me to wrap my head around personally. But yeah. I, it it make to me. I'll be honest. It makes absolutely. It's batshit crazy. If you want to go spend time in the nature with your family, you can go freaking camp fifty two weeks out of the year. Like 
just go. You don't have to spend $700 on an elk tag to go up the mountain and spend time with your family. Like what? No, for me, how I've always been, I can camp in the woods 365 days a year. I've got 30 days and most likely I've got seven to 14 days to engage. Like that, that's me cerebrally, intellectually going to quote unquote battle. And I know my oxymoron and my, and me saying that, but going to intellectual battle, that chess match with that animal. Like that's, that's my motivation. So I, again, here we talk about value sets and it's like, it's going to be hard. I think for a lot of us to wrap our heads around. Well, the fact that if we, if we look at, this is what, man, this is what, you, this is the problem with statistics. You can pull them eight ways from, I mean, you can twist and manipulate them and, and you can have them say whatever you want to say. But the reality is the vast majority, and, and you nailed it, um, the vast majority of resident hunters in Colorado want to see essentially that 80-20 split. Limiting non-resident hunters to no more than 20% of the tags allocated. And quite honestly, to be able to hunt every two to three years and have a high quality hunt. Which means, based on this survey, and quite honestly, based on, I think, the the internal internal desires of certain individuals within the agency, I have a strong feeling that is literally where Colorado is going to head. Now, I don't know about the 80-20 split. And, I, and the only reason why I say I don't know about the 80-20 split is because I don't know how the agency is going to fund it. I, I, I don't yeah. know how they're going to make their money unless they bump up resident hunter license sales or license fee significantly. So, what's it at now? Uh, what, it's like 700 bucks. No, no. What's it at? What's the split now? Well, in the high tier. Yeah, it's a it's a sixty five thirty five type of deal on okay, your yeah. general on your kind of general type of of hunts, but on your upper tier hunts like your ones two two oh one ten that type of stuff, it's eighty twenty. So for people, you know, whatever, like we're talking sixty five percent of you know uh, in state uh, or resident hunter get the tags. The other, you know, whatever it be right. you know whether it's thirty thirty five whatever it is, right? Yep. Um, but I think you're correct on the 65%. Like Wyoming's about to go to 90. Wyoming's got about to go to 90, 10. Right. So for me, and I am not a Colorado resident anymore. So you ask me now, and I have a lot of background, right? Meaning hacking it out over the counter, public land. Hey, Aaron, uh, you know what? You've got a like 20% chance of, you know, whatever, whatever to, to go hunt. Okay, well, you know what? Twenty percent chance. Okay, what are my chances of killing an elk if I draw a tag? Right. Th these are the things that pop in my mind. Right. I'm telling you, as I'm on the bench press at the gym in the morning, the shit going through my mind. Well, I've got a seven percent chance. So if I hop out of an airplane, my parachute has a seven percent chance of opening. Right. I have a seven percent chance of harvest success. Okay, so out of that 7%, how many of those guys were just lucky? And how many were the 10%, right, the killers? Right. Okay, so I consider myself somewhat of an you know, experienced person, okay? So I've got a true 7% chance, maybe 10. 
okay, that 10% chance, I have $750, right, that I've got into a tag. It's not that far away. I'm in Wyoming. I got to take a week off of work, at least, right? But some people take less. So right now, I've got $750. Let's say your average income is 28 bucks an hour or something. So whatever, you're, you're taking home four grand a month. Okay, so I'm going to lose $1,000 there. So we're up to $1,750. I've got food. I've got whatever. So we'll round it up to $2,500. Would I gamble anytime, anywhere, unless I have a gambling addiction for 7% chances of possibility of success? No, I would not. Right now, that's if I have an unlimited, and that's and that's Aaron. Apparently, there's other people that are. Oh, I'm, that I want to go hang out with Chris. I just want to go chill out and drink beer at the campfire. <laughs> I, don't I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know, man. I my this the the thing that I that I look at again. The un, this is what I wanted to kind of just chew the fat with you tonight and just have you like, let tell me what you think. Like, what are the unintended consequences here? I mean, you think about all the people that, that are in the industry that go hunt to not go hunt, but, but go out and hunt two to three, maybe four States, like two or at least two or three different Western States to go elk hunt. If, if over the counter is gone, and like, especially if it goes to 90, 10 in Wyoming and Colorado goes to 80, 20, like and other state, other states are. So if that happens in Colorado, there's going to be spillover. Okay. The, you're not going to just shut down a bunch of people that want to go elk hunting. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to go to Montana. They're going to try to go to Idaho. They're going to, you know, I, Wyoming is, is probably a safe bet that they're not going to be going there. Just the point creep is going to be too high. They're going to go to Utah. Like, where, like it's going to spill over. It's going to then create. Now, I'm not saying that Colorado needs to be the welfare, you know, state, which, again. Has been. Right. So, <laughs> you know, the, Colorado doesn't have to take it in the shorts so that all other Western states can have a decent, you know, go at their seasons. No. But if Colorado throttles back the thousands tens of thousands of non-resident hunters that it normally is getting already i could say point creep you thought point creep in colorado was bad now like it's gonna get ugly and then all the other western states are gonna it's just gonna be a matter of time for that domino to fall to where there's no way you're going to have the same opportunities in Montana or Idaho or Utah. There's just no way to where how many people are going to be able to hunt multiple states. Uh, it's going to get extremely difficult. And then, I, I mean, I could just, just the ripple effect that this is going to have is going to be very, very interesting. And well, I think it's going to be talked about. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. Let's rewind time. Okay. You know, and we're going to go back to 2000 to 2004, right? So I'm 46 now. So that's 13 years. So what's that? I'm, I'm uh, 26. Did I do the math right there? Sure. 
<laughs> mid twenties, right? Right, right. When when was the first Primo's truth about elk hunting made? Ninety ninety-eight, ninety-nine? It's gotta be close somewhere in there, maybe ninety yeah, it's gotta be somewhere ninety-seven-ish, I would uh, ninety-eight maybe. Yeah, so we've got a few of those, right? A little bit, and I like the Primos guys, but they're not hunting OTC public land. But you had the dream, right? You had this oh, yeah. dream of what you could attain. Oh yeah, even though it's kind of bullshit, but right, you right, but you could attain some of it, right? right? And so when I talk about that, I, you know, you're in the circle of life. Elk are screaming, cows are coming in. You 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 got everything you dreamed about, right? And at that time, it was feasible. Is a greenhorn not knowing much, not that feasible. If you got to know what you were doing, you were going to get into elk. And uh, when I say that compared to now, a multiplier of five, better, let me, roughly, whatever it is, you know, because we're talking 20 some years ago, right? So I know I can find elk. I'm going to get in some rut activity. And, you know, for me, I'm watching those videos. I'm, you know, I'm buying Hoochie Mama or not, not Hoochie Mama, Hyperlip singles and doubles. I'm watching these videos, I'm packing my gear, you know, whatever, I'm ready to go. And I had a legitimate chance every year of killing an elk. And as I got better, I had a little legit, legitimate chance of killing an elk, possibly a cow, because there were so many elk on OTC, you could shoot a bull and a cow and on this beetle. Because I just wanted to say this, so, so there's going to be some people listening to this. Again, I got on the Primos Pro staff back in the day to and and started teaching and educating and everything else because it wasn't like it was a pushover. What Aaron's not saying that it was always easy and there was just elk running all over the place and, and everybody could kill an elk. That's that's why I existed on the landscape as an elk. You know, my my whole education stuff started. But you have to do what he's saying is correct in the fact that you do remember what you you gave the stat, but it was a 350, 370,000 elk or something 470, like 470,000 elk at one time. Okay. So that's, I mean, the, the state of Colorado started allowing you to have list B cat tags and C tags. And like you could, I mean, absolutely. You could go shoot a bull and a cow in a, in a particular unit. They were, you could, they had, they were starting to have uh September rifle, cow hunts in certain units be just because they couldn't you couldn't kill enough elk at the time you just couldn't kill enough elk that's how many they were running along uh, out on the landscape so we had a shit ton more elk out there yes was the hunting in in some regards difficult yes uh in many regards in places yes but there was just a shit ton of elk running on the landscape you, you could get into elk right yes. so yeah and when i say that and, and chris knows i've shot it few big elk i've shot a shitload of little elk and everything else in between but i always had a chain so fast forward into 2000 i'd say things went to shit about 2016-17 started to really tank on otc public land anyway you could still do it but it was difficult now fast forward to 2019 a couple years three years later i'm seeing more people um you know more people trailhead, more people three, four, five, six miles back. I'm seeing no elk is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of pressure. Places where for 10 years you could go and at least get into elk. Gone, right? Right. So what I'm trying to like say when we're talking about the good old days, as time goes forward, my knowledge base is growing, right? 
and when I say that, not just with elk, you know, behavior and it, but my knowledge of the landscape, you know, finding elk is growing and it's getting harder and harder and harder to kill one. It should be getting easier. Right? Correct. That's, that's the point is your skill set yeah. is increasing and the likelihood of encounter for you is decreasing. So, and I asked you this on the podcast we did on mine, 2003, if I said, Chris Rowe, how many days would it take you to kill an elk, any elk in Colorado? Handful. Yeah. So four to t- four to seven. It, and, and that's an any elk type of situation, like the first any elk, elk. Yeah, any elk, a handful. Most of the time, and because I'm the guy, and, and, and I know that I am, and I am not the... I'm not going to say the norm. I don't, everybody stresses scouting, 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 scouting. My life and my job never allowed me to, even when I lived in Colorado, I just did not have the time to go and spend. So I would almost never go up and scout. I would literally go into an area and just hunt. So it might take me a day, two, three to get things figured out and go, oh, that's where they are game on where me i was addicted to you know with my lifestyle i could live in the woods so back then i would say on a bet four to five days guaranteed and else gonna hit it and as you know happened right there were several years not great bulls but i mean i i had a string of six seven eight years where i was killing one two elk a, a, a year, right? Yeah, which, uh, not great bulls, but I was killing them. Which led me to give you rations of shit about keeping it in your pants, like, like just, like just, just <laughs> pretend one year, like just do me one for <laughs> one year. You're up there in the summer, freaking taking pictures of 380 class bulls. You send me a picture. I'm like, dude. I'm like, he's like, yeah, yeah, Eric. I know exactly where this bull is, and I'm like, you better go up and kill him. And then the first day, like, it's eight o'clock on opening day, and you're sitting there with a four by four, and I just want to reach through the freaking phone and choke your ass. 2015, I killed a, I don't think the sun was up on opening day, and I shot a five by six that was three and a half years old and not not a great bull. But but from 2015 to now. Dude, we're talking like Roman times to now, like right. the landscape has changed. And so when people ask me like, hey, man, I don't want your honey hole. I ju- I'm just looking for an elk. And I'm like, well, aren't we fucking all right? Like <laughs> shit is not the same. Like I'm not looking for a 300 bull. And it's like, you know what? You know, it's like, you know, I'm wanting to go to the gym. I'm not wanting to look like Arnold. I just want to tone up. I'm like, well, don't fucking worry. You're not going to look like Arnold, right? Like. Yeah, I'm looking for a honey hole too. Those are gone. Like, it's, even it's, if you had one, that honey hole by default is probably b- blown out. Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, people are in there. Okay. Well, now that just sparks something. And this is completely, I'm dead serious. That this just, this light bulb just went off in my head tied to this discussion. So we had, we had the conversation about, uh, well, the um, that unit we were in that, that had that big honking park that used to have, you know, willows that were eight to 10 inches tall. And it used to be just covered with elk all, you know, through September. Now it's covered in moose. Why is it covered in moose? Because the willows are freaking 10 feet freaking tall. And it's outside of the acceptable habitat forage quality for elk. And so the elk have moved out, the moose have moved in. And I can't help but wonder if a lot of the the 
dissatisfaction. So again, we go back to that survey and you look at the number of people that are dissatisfied with their hunt experience. It's, it's incredible. Way like the vast, vast majority of people are dissatisfied with their hunt quality and they're not seeing animals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When you give a, 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 and this is why I don't like some of what was in this survey, because I don't think it captured what's everything going on in the landscape. When you couch a survey in and, and all you ask about is interactions with other hunters, interaction with animals and your satisfaction in the case of 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 that particular area where the elk have moved out because the habitat is no longer there and or uh beetle massive beetle kill areas across the west where elk are just not where they used to be because the habitat is completely changed and it is it's it's changed the density it's changed the overall numbers and it's changed the location on the on the map i wonder how many people are not perceiving changes in habitat and changes in environment that are actually affecting the quality of their hunt and hunt experience and the way and, and their perception of what the good old days used to be back then and and conflating it with and people are like ah it's just too many uh, you know it's too many non-resident hunters it's it's too many hunters in general or it's too many recreationists you still there did i lose you <laughs> Aaron's, Aaron's over here. <laughs> Quit tinkering. Your ADD is kicking in. Quit tinkering with your damn phone. <laughs> you back on yet? What did he do? He, he just totally just, he just nuked himself. There you are. You back? I'm back. Dude, I'm trying to like shut my phone. text message. I'm like trying to like scroll off text message. I'm like, Jesus, stop texting me. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but my point being is this. I, I wonder if, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about, you know, some of the quote unquote good old days, but we have to understand about the fact that, you know, the habitat's different. It's not even, we've got, we've got millions of acres of, of forested environments that are no longer as productive as they used to be. The, the landscape has absolutely changed, which is going to change animal numbers, and overall population, overall density, location on the landscape of where people can or cannot engage them. But do people, do hunters, when they're filling out these surveys and the survey does not, there's no qualifying information in the survey to talk about what I just said. And so people are going to look at this and they're going to take the survey and say, I'm dissatisfied with my hunt because it's other hunters. Or it's it's non-resident hunters, or it's those damn you know recreationists and the hikers and everyone else. It's like, well, uh, you you are like when you're a kid, you're a product of your surroundings, right? When I go and I'm going to bring this up for mule deer, high country mule deer, right? I go to the trailhead and I see Texas, 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 what New Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona at the trailhead, and we made a joke and I. And, I'm a guide in Texas, right? I spend a lot of time in, and, and, and I mean, the joke was fucking Texans, right? Like right. they're oh, yeah. everywhere. Yep. And so immediately when people are asked like, Hey, you know, how's the, that unit like for a survey? I'm like out of state pressure, horrible, like crazy. And am I right? 
it's not like I did any scientific study other than driving by a fucking license plate, right? Like, right. you know, Texas, 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 Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Oh, and then you're, there was your Colorado plate. Yeah, and it's like, okay, this, this, you know, this area is blown out by out-of-state hunters, right? Well, or, you don't, you don't even have to make it hypothetical. We can talk about actual numbers. Unit 80 and 81 in Southern Colorado used to be over-the-counter for archery. And, well, it used to be over-the-counter, period. When this, it got so bad that people were complaining about the hunt quality and, and not seeing critters, the, the Parks and Wildlife did a survey and on the license sales and, or when, when they did the survey on where people were hunting, it was 68% of the people that were hunting in 80 and 81 for archery were non-resident. And they were, they were almost, they were not all, almost all out of Texas. And so that's why those two units then went to limited draw for archery to shut down that onslaught of non-resident hunts, hunters. So I want you to read to me that survey, like the top 10. So go number one first. The, on on the attitudes, the importance of the factors on hunting big game? Yeah. Okay. So the the number one was to spend time in nature. Okay, hold on. Right there. I can hike year fucking round without paying for a tag. I can fish. I can hike. I can do whatever I want year round without hunting. So go to number two. To spend time with family and friends. They're around me all the time to the point my wife is probably happy we're doing this podcast, <laughs> right? Okay, number three. To, ob- uh, to obtain wild game meat. Okay, I agree with that one. Number four. To contribute to wildlife management. Bullshit. I- <laughs> so far, you and I are on the same page. Okay, hashtag conservation. All right. There you go. Hunting is conservation. Number, yeah, so one, two, three, four uh, was to what? Number five. Number five for physical exercise. I go to the gym every fucking day because I don't want to be fat. Keep going. To test and improve, uh, test or and or improve my skills. I'm, I'm guessing skills as a hunter or, a, you know. Gotcha. I shoot my bow in my yard. I've done that since birth. I've, I can hike year round and practice and improve those things. I, I, okay. I, I will push back. I, I've got to believe, and, and I don't, that's the thing is I don't have, and, and I can probably but, scroll and I've got to believe it's, it's to test my skills at calling or test my skills at hunting, test my skills at actually killing shit. Not and, necessarily. And this, is, this is where this gets confusing is if they didn't see any elk, how much testing you, are they doing? You didn't do a dance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then. So, Second to last is to harvest a mature game animal. Um, and then the last one was to contribute to local economies. Anyway, I'm I, just going to skip that one. Exactly. It's like, okay. No it, one goes to fucking, I don't know, pick one. Fair play Colorado and says, man, I really want to help this restaurant. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to ask you top three. What are you looking for? Oh, I I, want to go out. Well, if, 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 if the, the skill set one 
is what I'm envisioning. Test my skill set on. Can I kill? Can I? Can I play the game? Can I call that animal in? And can I put it? You know, call. Uh, see, mine commingle. Testing my skill set, yes, but right number two is harvesting a mature bull. I'm like that, that's number one and number two. I want to go play the game, and I want to go play the game with a, with a mature animal, and I want to see. And then number three is to put meat on the table, and then like literally to spend time in nature and to spend time with family friends is like nine and 10. Like <laughs> they're not even. Yeah, for they, me, it's like not, 99 and a hundred. If you're not doing that now, you're not a very good family man, right? Like they should that shit anyway. Right. It, it, it quite, well, I mean, I, I can understand like, you know, extended family. Like I've got an uncle that wants yeah. to come out and he elk hunts and, and, you know, we've, we've elk hunted. We've, I've seen him more because he's come out and elk hunted with me than I would have seen him if we were just, you know, he's in upstate New York. I'm not going to freaking upstate New York if I don't have to, you know? So I can see where extended family or friends, I've got a friend of mine in Michigan that uh, I love to death that we used to hunt in Southern Colorado all the time together. I, I, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to go up to Michigan or whatever and see him if I ever can or do or whatever. But when he comes out elk, see elk hunting, we'll, 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 we'll get, you know, get together and hang out and blah, 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 blah. So I can see where the hunting trip does bring some family members together, but man, like for me, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. That's why someone spends 700 freaking dollars on an elk tag and, and then thousands of dollars on, you know, what plane tickets and loss of in, let's just say you had paid vacation. Fine. So there's no loss of income. So you, you had, you got your plane ticket or you've got the fuel to come out. You got the, the, the food, you got all the gear. Like, the, how many thousands of dollars are you spending just so you can spend time? I don't I don't go elk hunting so I can see my uncle Tom. Tom comes oh. out to me to elk hunt with me because Tom wants to go test his skill set on another animal. He wants to go see if he can't play the game with some elk, and he would like to try to put an elk on the ground and get some meat. Like I I just this is where I don't understand. And, and again, I understand it's not me. It's it, like I just don't wrap my head around some. Now here's the, okay, stop a minute. I, we need to qualify. And I don't know, again, this, this survey is, there's so much statistics in this. Here's the other one. Is this, this is just, this is an aggregate. Okay. All, all of the, all of the respondents together, there was about roughly plus or minus a third of the respondents were archery hunters. A third of the respondents were muzzleloader hunters, and a third of the respondents were uh, rifle hunters. There was a few more muzzleloader hunters that actually chimed in. So maybe the bulk of the people that just want to get together and have fun are like maybe a, like the bulk are maybe rifle hunters. I don't know this. I'm not a rifle hunter. No, I, I would agree with that. And so maybe yes. it skews. Maybe maybe it's kind of skewing how we're perceiving this, where the most of the archery hunters are like screw a bunch of that that's not you know you know what i mean it, it maybe it skewed that but, but re rewind in 2003 aaron what are you hoping for this elk season at no time in my mind good bad or indifferent did i say man i hope i help conservation man i can't wait to give some money to that restaurant it was like god i hope i get into elk and chris and i are different chris chris is more of a i don't want to say trophy hunter but more of a you know, older, mature uh, class of a of an elk, right? It's, sim it's simply because I, 
I've I've achieved, and I'm not bragging here. I know I can shoot a year and a half to two and a half year old bull wherever I go, almost every single year within a week of being on the field. Th- that is no longer a benchmark for me in what I need. Um, now, honestly, I and I've I've qualified this before because I live here in Kansas and because I'm doing what I'm doing with the whitetails and everything else. I have the ability to keep my freezers full of whitetail. So I don't need, and and these past several years have been such, I really don't have a need to kill an elk. And so it allows me to be picky to go and play, play. It's play. But rewind. I'm in the same as you now, right? Like I can shoot tons of whitetails and everything else, but rewind. And again, 2000 to 2005. What are you hoping for, Aaron? Man, I, ju- I just want to be into elk. I want to be into right. elk. Give me your top three. I hope I get into elk. I'm hope, hope, I hope I'm lucky enough to shoot one. You know, I want the meat. Then, then, I, then, I, will, then I, will, I will modify my list because you're absolutely right. I hope I get into elk because I want to play the game. And quite honestly, if I play the game and it's just nothing but a bunch of young animals and I have that, in, I'm calling them in and having, having fun, I don't give a shit. Like, so... I, I hope I can get an elk. And then when I do get an elk, I, w- I want to to test my skills against that animal. And then if I'm testing my skills and I do well, I'm hoping for a mature animal. And then number, and for, then number four, taking the meat home. Yeah. So for me, it was get into elk, take the meat home. Mature was third. Because I've never been a big, which everybody knows Chris and I difference on that. But basically the same list. Flip right. flop a little bit, right. same right. And, right? And, and as I say that, and the the altruistic portions of these things don't even—they're they're like not even like that. That's not why I hunt. That's the thing that drives me nuts. That's not—it's a—it's a very nice feel-good secondary benefit of me functioning on the landscape selfishly for my interests. So, but see. If rewind or or let's look at this. I'm into photography, right? That's something I do. I like to fish. I like the outdoors. Okay. The the family, the camaraderie, the whatever. I hunted solo most of my life, right? So maybe that's part of the hitch and a giddy up. Hey, do you want to go to New York? Well, I was stationed in northern New York. I would take a trip up there for photography. Like, okay, I'll go see oh. Uncle Will, right? Okay. Hey, Aaron. Man, I can't wait, you know, to hang out with my family coming down to whatever. I'm thinking, fuck no, I don't want my family here. I want to go hunt elk. They suck at this shit. I want to kill one, right? I don't want, you know, I'll hunt with them in rifle season in some other state. Like this is my time, right? Right. This is my time. Right. So now, right, with what we're talking about, and and I do want to, you know, preface this and I can speak for Chris. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people that have the same ideology of that list. What I am saying is times have fucking changed because you, you, you know, for me, and I say that too, I'm out of state for one now Two, I'm into photography. I'm at an age that I, I like just hanging out with my wife in the outdoors fishing. But I can tell you now the bloodthirsty hunter is still in me where it's like, Hey, Aaron, I want to send you this unit. Are you going out to hang out with your family and, you know, donate money to conservation? Fuck no. I'm out there to kill some shit. Like 
I don't go play basketball to suck, right? Like, and so that's the thing, and I'm sure I'll get blasted for this, is like I will flip a table over in a game of Candyland to win. I, I do not like losing. And when I say losing, right, like yeah, I love the challenge of tuning my bow, shooting my bow, learning animal behavior. Elk are gone. I'm going to move out. I'm going to find them somewhere else. And I'm not the caller Chris is, right? But I mean, like, I'm yeah, in it to win it. I, I love the grind, right? At no time did I think of hanging out with Uncle Bill, donating money to conservation, because you can do that year fucking round, right? I can do that today. It's negative 30 outside, right? right? Yep. Clickety click. That's all you have to do. Clickety click. You just, you just send money. Boom, done. There it is. Yep. I want to go do epic shit with animals. If a buddy's with me, that's great. I want my ass kicked on the hike out. I want to eat the meat. Some of the things that you listed, I'm like, they're not, they shouldn't even be a fucking choice. Right. <laughs> I like, and, and, and I say that this is not a, a, a thing of arrogance or a thing of what this, whether I sucked at hunting or not. Right. Like, cause I wasn't always successful, you know, rewind, but you know, you start somewhere. And Chris has given me shit from the beginning, right? Like about being a bad trophy hunter to this day, right? <laughs> yeah. So you can't say it's because I'm like spoiled and I shoot big game. I shot in 2000, what is 2022, 2021, I shot a three and a half year old five by six with my recurve in a coveted unit. And right. I was happy, right? right. I, I was. But, but, but you know you, what I had with that. But, huh? you, but you achieved a goal. You you were you were still early on in the process of your your transition to tra uh, tra traditional, and so you were still achieving a goal that meant that that had that intrinsic value to you. So it yeah. you know, it, it's still. But I say with that. No, go no, ahead. No, no, no. Go, 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 what, go. What that hunt had, I was with cool people. We had elk constantly around us. We were epically into the wilderness. I mean, miles, right? So I was getting my ass kicked. I was doing epic shit, crazy experience. And the animal didn't it matter as much to me as it would to some, meaning the, the age class, right? I wanted to shoot a decent bull, which it's borderline arguable. I shot a decent bull. But I mean, I shot a bull, three and a half year old. I got the meat. I got my ass kicked, hung out with cool people, did epic shit, was in the circle life, elk screaming, cows calling. I mean, we're talking just on my Donkey Kong Primo's video. Bam. I did not hike out of that place thinking, Jesus, I wish my Uncle Steve was with me. No, I did not hike out of that place and say, man, I can't believe or I, I, I'm really glad I'm spending $37 at the gas station on Gatorade Chew and beef jerky. Never. That did not cross my mind. So right, wrong, or indifferent, shit has changed, right? And because with me, my importance, what's important to me is not what's important to other, other people. Well, okay, it, perfect. Again, this just, this literally just popped in my head. So here we are talking about value sets. And we're talking about a completely different type of, uh, again, our passion is bow hunting. So Let's talk about the a, a completely different type of early season hunter because there are some muzzleloader hunters out there that freaking grind it as well, and I mean they'll they'll freaking get back in there and get after it as well. So let's talk about the September early. You were talking archery and muzzleloader hunters September hunts, you know. But we're going to talk about Colorado. So here we are talking about massive. We've got a massive shift in hunter dedication and ability 
to function across vastly different chunks of the landscape than we ever had. There, yeah. There's very little limitations anymore that are going to keep certain hunters out of certain places. You're, you're going to probably have the ability to run into somebody. So we've got a completely different animal on the landscape. Us, as a human, as a human hunter, early season hunter, we've got a completely different animal on that landscape. Number two, we're just sitting here laughing and joking about the fact that we have such wildly, obviously, apparently from this survey, we have wildly, wildly different value sets and motivations for being out in the field. But I can't help but think, so what we're doing by having these discussions of restricting non-resident hunters or restrict, you know, taking away over-the-counter hunting, we're talking about re further restricting opportunities for hunters, which just overall artificially forces wildly different value sets, wildly different motivations, wildly different abilities, all into a finite chunk of real estate and a finite uh timing on the landscape uh, you know whether it's a week or whether it's two weeks whether it's 30 days or whatever we, we're we're by having these discussions about limiting non-residents or limiting all, you know getting rid of over the counter how are we not exacerbating the future of dissatisfaction on the landscape we're we're trying to force it's like oil and water like we're trying to force this this massively diverse uh, body of humans <clears throat> that want to engage in a deeper level on the landscape into a tighter like ball, if you will, why are we not talking about increasing different options on the landscape? You and I have talked about this in a long time ago, but and I still go back to it. Rather than talk about we're going to get we're we're gonna we're gonna get rid of non-resident you know we're gonna restrict non-resident hunting and or we're gonna get rid of over-the-counter licenses do you, just off the cuff do you, what do you think about this why rather than just a, a set 30-day season we uh, my, one of the previous five-year big game season structure my recommendation was why don't we split the archery season and we make a three-week early split and then we make a three-week late split and a hunter can choose the license that they want to go. So the early split starts, let's say, August 20th and goes for three weeks. And then the late split starts after Labor Day weekend and then goes to the end of the month. Like, you know, you know open up the options for hunters. So that those people that value that that rugged individual, you know that that intense hunt can, you know, maybe they choose a certain time period, and then other people. I don't. Does it does it make sense what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm not I'm not explaining it very well. Open expand the opportunities so that the value sets can spread themselves across the landscape more, 
Now, obviously, by that, okay, so by that token, I can hear the agency folks, the biologists say, well, okay, you, we've got a 30-day window of archery season. Now, we're getting X number of harvest on our elk. If we extend, expend, or extend that and we open up the, you know, more time for hunting, we're going to kill more animals or we're going to pressure more animals. And therefore, we're going to have fewer people killing stuff or more importantly, we're going to have kill more. So we're going to have to limit we can, we had the conversation in yours too, is why are we not thinking about things like a five point antler restriction to where you're allowing, a, so, okay, we expand the opportunities. We give people more of a temporal time, a, a, a place to exist on the landscape, <coughs> spread those people out, excuse me, <coughs> spread the, the, the value sets out across a broader area and time, time, if you will. But we for, we restrict them then on what they're allowed to harvest. So I'm I don't, I don't add, know. No, no, I'm going to add mule deer into this equation. hundred percent. Go for it. If anyone in their right fucking mind that voted on this was thinking, and I think you would agree with this, if somebody <laughs> said, "Aaron, you can start hunting mule deer August twentieth. You cannot hunt after August 5th. <clears throat> That's your season, 15 days. September 5th. September 5th. For September 5th. Yep. I would have been like, cut my left nut off, my pinky finger. That's all it. I want. I'll take it. Yep. It, no, I, I, I was... Now, what they up. did... Yeah. Sorry, you, you cut out no, there. No, no. I, I, I just... When this whole season restructure thing that, you know, elk got put... Unintended consequences, right? Like we got our ass kicked to a certain degree. We moved elk season later to get into the rut, which was funny to me anyway. Right. Same. We lost mule deer. Yeah. Well, talk about that for a minute. So, uh, yeah. So the, you're you're absolutely right. The mule deer component was underrepresented. And, and the, the driver for this change, the, the last five-year big game season structure change and changing it to, to September and, and going to the end of the month, 100% driven by archery elk hunters. 100%. Because there, and as long as I can remember being involved with sportsman's politics in Colorado, there was a strong, it was a vocal minority, but they were strong in their desire. They, they wanted the last week of September. Man, they wanted the last week of September. And every single time the discussion came up, the agency would always come back and say, nope, we will never hunt the last week of September because we need to give the elk this quote unquote quiet time, you know, for the rut so that they can breed effectively. Now, subsequently over the years, there's been research to show that, no, that doesn't, that it doesn't, they don't need it. But, and, and a lot of hunters were saying the same thing. Wyoming hunts them at the end of the, at the month and they don't have a problem. Arizona hunts them down at the end with of the last week of the with month. With a fucking rifle. Rifle, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, with a rifle. So it was always this contentious issue between certain members of the elk hunting community, archery elk hunting community, and the agency. And it was always, well, if you want to hunt the, the last week of season, well, we're going to have to we're going to have to take away a week of hunting from you. And so everyone's like, oh no 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 no, we want to, we want our thirty day window. Well, then all of a sudden, like out of the like, I am shocked. I was shocked to shit that they actually made the change. Like I don't know what come to Jesus meet you know moment the agency had. Or like who had what blackmail act, you know, like over, like how they made that fundamental shift after decades of saying, no, 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 we'll never hunt the last week of September. All of a sudden it was like, boink, that is the, that's the recommended and that's where we're going. And I'll tell you, the mule, the early season mule deer hunters took it in the shorts 
those people that had kids that like to go hunt like right as their kids were getting into college or, or right before school started or anything like that, they took it in the shorts. And I, yours truly took it in the shorts because I loved my pre-rut. I loved getting on elk prior to that pre-rut move and or just after they've made that pre-rut move when they're searching for, for you know, getting their pecking orders established, searching for those cows. You can kill some shit. Like you can kill some good bulls in that 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 window, that early season window. Well, well it's gone. Here's the thing with my dissection of this and, and uh, you know, quizzing people or whatever was the <clears throat> idea that the third and fourth week were best. Yeah. Not hands, not, not, not boots on the ground. Right. The idea. Right. Like people message me all the time. Should I hunt the third or fourth week, the second or third? And I'm like, I got to be honest with you. Most elk I've killed were opening day or the first three days of season or the seventh through the twelfth. Right, right, right. Those were my prime time hunts, right? right? And 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 people were like, okay, why is that? And I'm like, okay, early season feeding patterns. Before the season moved, they are up at tree line, starting to get a little froggy, right? But not crazy. Pa Go ahead. So what we're talking about here for those who are not that are not familiar with Colorado, Colorado used to start. The last Saturday, that so that the archery, elk, and mule deer used to start the last Saturday in August. So sometimes that was August 25th. Sometimes that might be August 29th or what. So it depending on how the calendar fell, it was it, some years it was as early as August 25th, I think. <clears throat> and I think for three, four years in a row, I shot a bull opening day or the second day of season. And I would tell people. You've got a three-day window before they're blown out early season, meaning they're going to get pushed off their summer feeding patterns. They're going to go into the timber. You're not going to be able to spot them, you know, above tree line. But, like, I wrote an article about, you know, hunting up hot. Right. And people had the concept or the perception that the bugling started the third week of season. Right. To a right. certain degree, like, what do you want to call that? The... Um, not rite of passage, right? But the perceived elk hunting rut honey hole was later in the season. Except what also happened at that time, the elk were pushed down to private land. They shut up from pressure, right? You know, so they closed up completely. They're locked down with cows. Yeah. And when you talk about lockdown, it's not the same as where a whitetail buck is like locked down right. in a plum thicket. But they have cows. They're not coming off the cows. They may bugle, yeah. which for some people might be a victory, right? They heard a bugle, right? Because and, and elk are locked. I was just going to say, that was the motivation right there. Because elk, because there was breeding going, mo what most people perceived was later in the month, you'd have more breeding going on. And because there's breeding going on, cows coming in estrus, you end up having bulls bugling, which means it's easier to find the elk, which means then I can get, I can get on elk easier and I can possibly do better. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. That was which the, is totally not fucking true when it comes to older elk. <laughs> exactly. yeah, so, Dude, now, I, like, I've got it. So for those that, that have not looked at my stuff, my education, I literally have a nine-part series talking about rethinking the rut. And it literally breaks down how a cow cycles into estrus 
and all of the factors that affect a cow cycling, photo period notwithstanding, there are other things that will affect how she cycles. Like almost all of them pull her cycle early. So if you're ever going to have an anomaly on the rut, it's not... The only thing that pushes the rut later is like poor, piss poor, like drought and terrible body condition. And it's just, if you're in that situation where a cow has shitty body condition, where she comes into estrus late, dude, the, 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 the entire freaking environment sucks. Everything else pulls it early. So what you're talking about, Aaron, yeah, absolutely. I had more years where I was getting into better rutting activity, quote unquote, rutting activity. Prior to the fall equinox, then I you would have anything at the end of September. And that's so, the thing that I couldn't believe. I'm like, people, you are sacrificing because back in the day, you would at least in the old structure, you had at least a full week to hunt before Labor Day weekend. And then you had that week of, la of that Labor Day week before you started uh, muzzleloader hunt. So you almost had like two full weeks. You had two full weeks of archery hunting before muzzleloader season started. Now <clears throat> you, it's foobar. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, so no, so like um, for me hunting for years, public land OTC, <clears throat> drawing tags occasionally in good units, and then I've got a landowner tag the last couple of years. For me, when you hunt the unbothered, right? When you hunt the elk that aren't pressured. They are very easy or more susceptible to mild calling, uh, you know, creeping in, stalking, seeing the damn things. Then later on, once a bull picks up a, which I don't want to turn this into a calling seminar or whatever, but like in the first week of season, for me, willing to shoot not a two and a half, but a three and a half to five and a half year old bull. Five and a half year old being a bonus, three and a half year old being the bottom end or a cow. Pretty much was a given that was going to happen. I would hike in one and a half to five miles. I would get above tree line. I would start two days before season. I would find the elk. I would sneak in the on the on the elk. They would be feeding. I would mildly cow call, and I would kill them. Pretty much guaranteed. And they weren't bothered. And and and, and I would hear people say, "Oh, elk don't breed in August." I'd be like, "You know what? I just saw that bull rail five cows." Guaranteed they're breeding in August. Like, right. I promise you they're breeding in August. Okay, so, well, you know what? Is it better to hunt the 17th of, of season or the 23rd? I'm like, look, man, I got to be honest with you. That is like a crock of shit question, and I don't mean anything negative by that. But literally, the 17th to the 23rd, irrelevant. for me, irrelevant. Yeah, it's a moot point. They are locked down with cows. You're not going to kill a big bull unless you get lucky, to me anyway, unless you get real lucky or something happens, you split the herd. You know what I mean? Like, you know, something happens because, and, and I've just had too much experience and I'm sure there's people listening in that are saying, oh, I called a big bull in or I'm, I'm proud of you. That happens. I, I'm not denying that. Right. Most of the bigger bulls killed, in my opinion, and what I've heard, are pre-September 12th to the 15th, earlier than after. Now, you hear, hear more calling, yep. but that does not mean they're coming. So when you have somebody that comes from out of state and they hear that bull bugling over and over, now he's keeping that 180, 200-yard distance. 
They had a great morning. Elk were screaming all morning. How close did you get? Man, I, I never really got a shot. I'm like, you know, that doesn't really answer the question. Like, how close did you get? Man, I had him just cranking. I'm like, so he bugled all morning, right? I'm like, did he keep that safe distance? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, did he stay the same distance the entire morning? Well, yeah, yeah, about. And I'm like, so you had zero fucking chance of killing that bull. You just didn't know. You had false hope. And I'm in the same boat. I've been there, right? Right. But, right. but literally, and Chris can talk to that more. When you hear a bull bugle over and over and over and over, and, and that can happen for one to three hours, but he never commits, you never get closer. That really is not a victory. It's fun. Right. But it's not a victory. It's like the ball rolling around the basket and comes out and you're like, I almost made it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. Right. Like, no, I don't, I want to make it in the hoop. Right. Like, and so when people talk about these things with, with over the counter and moving the season, kind of rewinding, I don't know, like, I think if someone, and, and I'm speaking for game wardens that I've talked to, anybody that hunts high country mule deer would have picked to have a 20th through the 25th through 5th through the 10th season for mule deer. I would have walked away with that. That would have been a victory. Yeah. yeah. Because once they rub their velvet off, they're dip more difficult to kill. Elk. Okay. I want a later season date. If you could have actually grabbed those people and showed data, not what they've read, not what they've seen, they based it off of like the mythology of elk hunting. But that's okay. So what we, we've, I've said it, I don't know how many times that it is pointless to argue facts and logic to those people that have no value for facts and logic, man. I was in those conversations. I was in those conversations. It's why I did the damn freaking series of rethinking the rut, trying to convince people. I'm like, listen, you move this, you, you, you move to the later part of the month and you, you're removing the flexibility that you have to be involved with all sorts of different aspects of the breeding cycle. To where you can catch those bulls that are not with cows. If you want to, if you want to be the guy that wants to go and challenge a herd bull with his cows and bugle at him and try to call him out of the butt, okay, that's fine. You get to do that as well. But at least with an earlier season start date, you had the flexibility to choose. Now we don't have the ability. Once they move that season structure to the the September first to the or September second to the thirtieth, we remove that that option. And now here we are talking about limiting, not, we're, we're just, I, I, to, to, to bring it back to, we, we are, we're continually limiting opportunity in the West and not thinking about ways to increase and spread opportunity Again, and again, there's no free lunch. Unintended consequences was an underlying theme of this entire discussion. So, yes, I know that we're going to have extended pressure on certain animals. And here's it. Okay, so if you well, want, go, go. hold on one sec. All right, go. Are you me. on the phone? Are you on a phone or a computer? Computer. Tilt your screen back away from you. Okay, there yeah. we go. All right, pan it back. <laughs> where did you kill that bull that's that was my unit one bull okay so you have the bull like that in an otc test 
<laughs> Close to it. I, no, it, he busted off his main beam. If he had been complete, if he had a, uh, if he had just a clean six on his left left side, he had been three eighty six. If he had thrown equal bone on left and right, he would have been four eleven. So you have a three fifty ish, three forty ish bull on OTC public land. I've got yeah, I've got two. I've got two of them. Yes. Okay. With that being said, when did you kill those? Um, he was two thousand two. He was in unit one was two thousand nine, and then the uh the three forty bull, I believe. Don't quote me. Was it 2014? 20? Was it 15? Yep. Okay, 2015. That's what I thought. So 2015, what elevation were you at? Oh, that was my high country camp. So I camped at about 12. Well, I know where the fuck you, I know where you were at. So, okay. So you were pretty high. You're you're above, yeah, you're, everything's above 11.5. Yep. Okay. With those elk, what would happen today if you went in that same area? Uh, I have no idea because those elk are not there today. That, that's why I no okay. longer I, I no longer hunt my high country camp because those elk just don't sit. They're just gone. They're they're like no. Same reason I don't go back there. I, and I'm across the street from from Chris, but I could see right. him right. 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 Okay. Yep. So that same time frame, you killed yours. I killed a five by six, three and a half year old. My buddy killed a three thirteen, three twenty. Good bulls, OTC bulls, de- decent bulls. Those elk are not there. And Chris Rowe, and a guy I trust when it comes to elk habitat and, and wildlife, everything else. Why are those bulls gone? Because the habitat has not changed on my side of the street. Why are they gone? Where or why? Why? That is contentious issue, my friend. And I have my own I have my own opinions on it. But there's a hey, there's I go ahead. Just, just go. I'm. We. I don't want. I don't want to go. I'm. I. That one was going to get me riled up. Just. I. I don't want to go down that rabbit. You tell me. You go. Where are you going? Because I'll just spend the next three hours going off. Anyway. Oh, pressure was the, on my side, right? Over amount of pressure. Go ahead. Okay. Over amount of pressure, and then we got predator issues. We've got. Yeah. Anyway, yes, yes. When I say pressure, okay. Qualify what you mean by pressure. Qualify it. So hikers, hunters, predators. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking. Keep going. For on my side, for in that order, hikers were worse than hunters. Close, but I would say just as bad. Okay. Finish your thought. I'm going to push back. I'm not going to push back. I'm going to provide. I'm going to ask a question. Go finish your thought. And then I'm going to ask a question. When I say that, when, when, when I've been in there and there was in the honey hole of honey holes for OTC, there was 13 hikers fishing in this Alpine Lake pond that literally held all the elk and those elk, when they're there August 15th and the 25th in my side, they're there the, you know, 28th, 9th, 30th, 31st, or, or 31st or whatever. They're gone because there is a bunch of jack wagons fishing or hiking. And I get that, right? It's public land, you know, hashtag conservation, hashtag hiking, all that other bullshit. They're in there. Then more and more people have, you know, 
Google Earth, right? On X, right? They, they're figuring it out. They're in there. Well, there's only so many places uh, elk can go. Correct. And so from, from my, my opinion is they go into terrain so unattainable by human or they go to private land. Now, when you look at wild sheep, you have a lead ram. That lead ram tells the whole band of rams or, or whole herd where to go, right? He's kept them safe year in and year out. He passes on that tradition to the next ram, whatever. He knows how to get through the winter. He knows how to get away from hunters. He knows how to get to private land. Elk know how to get to private land and go to places that are unbothered. <clears throat> Eventually, if you have too many crossfitting, freak of nature, fit, physical fitness dudes, right, they can go forever, hike. Whatever. Eventually, those elk run out of places in the wilderness to hide within reason. There's always going to be pockets. A big, a big thing in the Sangre de Cristos or Sangre de Cristos, however you pronounce it. All the elk, bow hunters are pushing them out. The rifle hunters don't have a chance. They're all on private land, right? Pressure. Okay, well, a lot of that pressure. So if you sent in 30 experienced hunters, the pressure is down because they have a better idea of not pushing elk out. You send in 30 experienced hunters and 30 non, you know, guys that just want to get out there and whatever. The outcome is the same. The elk are leaving the area. The rut domain has changed because they want to be unbothered as much as possible. Generally, that's going to be private land where they'll go. Would you agree or disagree with that so far? Uh, no, agree. Or it's going to be, it, or just general sanctuary areas where other they just humans just can't go. Like yeah, ski, yeah. remote, just nasty, vicious. Yes. So in the Sangre de Cristos, great area to talk about. Correct. You will see elk in shit that mountain goats and sheep are scared of. You will see elk come out of places that are almost unkillable, and sheep will be below them, right? I mean, there's no mountain goats in the Sangre. Well, I think there is now, but they're coming out where they're safe, right? They can breed, and, and it's horrible terrain. And you'll look down in the valley floor, there's outfitters and hunters, whatever, and you'll look out into the valley, private land. So they're either going to be in that private land area or up really high. In the case where you and I hunt, they don't really have that option. They got to go to private land, right? They, they leave. Right. They, they go to private land. Right, right. What would stop that? Well, A, if you are able to increase the number of private land hunts that were happening during that time. So where you remove a quote unquote artificial sanctuary from those animals, you know, they're going to move to a, a refuge. If you can remove a refuge, then you keep the animals back over onto public land, or at least in those areas where they're a little bit more acceptable or, or accessible. I know where you're going. The other one would be to limit the number of freaking people, jack wagons that are around there chasing, running them around to where you're decreasing the amount of impact on that herd to where they don't feel like they need to just flat leave and they can still escape the hunter pressure that they're getting into. Which I'm one of the jack wagons before anybody you know chimes in. I'm, I'm back there. So with this whole conversation, we're talking about OTC public land going to gone right when i say going to 
not 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 an option, basically. So I've had I didn't count hundreds. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, there is a qualification here. So part of the the proposal is to it's over. So some of the people are asking for over the counter units to go away for non resident hunters, but they're wanting to keep over the counter for resident hunters. And I think that's still going to be important based on what you're talking about right now and in the notes that I just wrote down. So keep going, keep going. So, and, and let's, let's talk about both, but, but first let's talk about just limiting numbers, right? right. Like, Which I know. think that's, I think that's where it's going to, I, I don't think you're going to find success in the resident hunter OTC. It's going to go. I think OTC is gone. Like yeah, so, OTC is doubt out. You know, let's say, and I, I, I'm asking you, like as Chris, the biologist, how many years, if tags were limited by a significant amount, how many years would it take to get it back to where it once was? Or not once was. How many years would it take to get it back to where it was 15 years ago? Would you guess? I bet you, you could, if you had good habitat conditions, I bet you, you could be bounced back in two to three years. Okay. So, and I, I told my buddy earlier, three to five, uh, five on the high end, three on the low end. That's sure. And, and, and I can accept that. And, and some of these units where, you know, your, your age class is the two and a half and three and a half year old bull, you know, that's your upper age class just because they get waylaid. You know, you give it five years, you finally get an eight year old bull. Okay. Now, now, now we've got a different age structure on the landscape. You've, you've got some different animals running around. So I, I can see five years. So paralleling, right. When you look at that, um, for a lot of people that head out West for OTC out of state, you know, over the counter land tag, they may not have hunted a limited draw unit. Right. So once you've hunted one of those, it's, it's hard to go back, right? It's what dreams are made of. You're on your deathbed. Your wife's there and you're like, I love you. Fuck that elk hunt was awesome. That kind of hunt, right? <laughs> yeah. So those type of hunts, whether it be a, you know, two, three, four, five, or, you know, whatever on up type point unit. Once you hunt those units, some of those units aren't that much different than what it was on public land years ago. Yes, the age class is, is higher. But experience isn't that much different, meaning you're in that, you know, let's say every other day, you know, what you, you know, you've got a good window of rut activity in that, that crazy circle of life, you know, type of atmosphere that you, you all dream for, you all dream of. When you hunt limited access tags or limited entry tags, you have a little bit less people. And when you spend nine points on a tag, seven points on a tag, you're probably not going to shoot a three and a half year old bull. You might, but to, to add, you know, some people will, right. But to add what Chris was talking about, if you take a over the counter unit and a legitimate five point bull, you, you bump that age class up and you could say five, you know, depending on the numbers, five point or cow, if the cow, bull to cow ratio, the cow ratio is high. Yep. So you can shoot a cow to bring home the meat. Right. What was that? Number four uh, yep. on, the, on the list. Right. Age class is going to go up because five year old bull or, or five point bulls are generally going to be a little older and they're going to get smarter. And, you know, you're, yep. you're building that up. Yep. Right now you have chaos and fucking mayhem. 
right? You you what is it? A three three inch or, or a three inch or a five inch eye guard? Yeah, something like that. Four or five inch eye guard. It, it, so any any bull, pretty much, it has to be pretty much a spike or you know. There's so many bulls on the landscape that have that stupid eye guard qualification that I I don't understand why they ever did it. If you wanted to make it a four point unit, just freaking make it a four point unit. Like screw the freaking eye guard bullshit. Because now you got a three yeah, by three, a three by three that's got a freaking eight inch, you know, a nine inch eye guard. Well, okay, you, you didn't you didn't help the age class by yeah, yeah. pumping in the freaking eye guard thing. That anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> with with that. You, you get where I'm going with this, right? You you raise the age class uh, to, or age class. You raise the point restriction, which by default kind of raises the age class somewhat anyway, right? So then you limit that. You limit it's a draw or an over-the-counter with caps. I would think in three to five years, it's a whole different conversation at that point than it is right now because right now, OTC unlimited. There is no limit on out-of-state hunters on OTC right now. Right, that's true. It's equal, and people don't think about that. It is a fair game, equal playing field for in-state or out-of-state on public land. Like I said, that's unit 80 and 81. The reason why they went limited for archery is because 68% of the, 67 or 68% of the hunters that were down there were out-of-state hunters. So how many... Man, I can't remember how many OTC OTC tags are there or OTC units are there now. No, I failed at that. I was going to bring it and and I and I don't have. I could probably try. I there's there's a good number. Um, but I I I could bring it up. But yeah, I forgot to because I, I that it's, hit my head too. Um, it's but a it's, fairly it's a decent amount. Yeah, there's a good yeah. number. So how many other states are like that? Yeah. Utah, well, you got Utah with a spike only that you can go over, you know, you can buy a tag over the counter and you can go into a bunch of different units and hunt a spike. Uh, I think Montana has some tags, um, but man, that really, and Oregon, you got over, don't, doesn't Oregon have over the counter licenses? I think that's yeah, about, yeah. For, for a non-resident, I think that's about it though, isn't it? I don't know if Washington. Mon- I, Montana has some, Wyoming has some. Colorado over the counter for a resident. Yeah, they did. Wait, which state? Wyoming. Man, I maybe that's changed. So let's leave Wyoming out of it. Yeah, Oregon and Washington, but not great success rate. Colorado is the hub. Right. That that's the that's the key. So when you look at that with Colorado, you and I being there, the whole point to this was the over-the-counter tags going away in yep. Colorado. For non-residents. I yeah. don't. It would we're take, and we're talking, yeah, it would take, and I'm talking like Johnny Cochran, to, to convince me it, it, it shouldn't happen, right? It's got to happen, you know, but, to, but, to limit that. Okay, so let me, let me ask you some questions, though. You spent, you still to this day spend an exorbitant amount of time uh, in the backcountry during the summer, especially in the fall, but in the summer as well. When you see, obviously, Colorado has had massive influx of hikers, recreation, you know, whatever. Are how much of that hiking activity are are you seeing today? That's what would be considered generally off trail. 
where they're just, some units. Is yeah, it some units a lot? Well, when I say off trail, man, this is going to get deep because the Forest Service Forest Service has had their kneecaps chopped out from under them. There are areas that do not have a trail crew, so the the actual trail is almost non-existent, right? And so Impassive. when when you yeah, yeah, you know, you got, you got to be able to nav or have whatever GPS. When you have areas like that, whether that's three or four or five or whatever miles in, when you don't have a trail, you get scared. You, you know, you turn around or you know whatever. But like off trail, that's the fourteen or you know you know peak people that just sign the little thing that whatever you know I've been to the top of this mountain, small amount, but there's an amount. Okay. Other areas that don't have a trail, higher amount, lower altitude, but still there. But the problem is in Colorado specifically, and you know with elk, right? I mean, elk go, I mean, they can be anywhere, right? I mean, they, they go into some pretty tame areas and very, you know, very difficult areas to attain. With the amount of hikers and hunters, they're getting hit no matter what. So there hasn't been as much except in the unit you and I were thinking of, or the three units that I'm thinking of that affected it that much, except where the trail ends. And when I say ends, meaning it's not maintained, you know, things like that. That portion of it, I would say, like, they start to disperse. Okay, so they disperse, but aren't they headed to, like, a peak or a lake? There, There's a destination. Yes or no? G generally, yeah. Oh, yeah, generally. I mean... Because here, no, okay. there's no absolute, but yeah, general. Right. So when I was on that Upper Eagle River elk study, we did this study about you know off heavy off trail, you know intense heavy, uh, off trail activity, um, targeted towards out, you know can absolutely drive uh, a population almost to extinction. And the fact that <clears throat> cows, especially in the spring, if, you, if you're if you're in that May you know, mid-May to mid-June time period when they're dropping calves and they're bonding with those calves. If you have ex excessively aggressive, heavy off-trail activity in those calving areas, those cows will give birth, but they will not bond with that calf and they'll just abandon it and leave. And so we showed very definitively, you can go from great cow-calf numbers and just drive them right into the freaking dirt, okay? And... That was originally, that study was kicked off because Vail Associates wanted to develop the back bowls of Vail. This was back before the back bowls of Vail were ever developed. And there were some people that, that looked at the study uh, as the smoking gun of why the Forest Service should not approve the development of the back bowls of Vail because that was a, a pretty sizable calving area. However, what the study did not show was on-trail activity having an issue because at the time regular continuous activity on trail that was predictable elk knew how to navigate that avoid that and it would became a part of daily life and they were able to give birth and, and bond with their little one and be just fine so it eventually was approved because Vale associates made the argument and i and the forest service side they're like no we're not talking about aggressive backcountry you know, off-trail activity. We're talking about focused, on-trail, you know, uh, focused activity. And that caused a lot of heartburn. You know, I'm not going to go down the road of the next study coming up. And and my, I've already talked about some of my uh, opinions on that. But 
everybody wants to talk about hikers and 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 recreation and i'm not discounting it but for i have my uh, opinions on why it could be talked about in the extent that it's talked about these days especially from a political and a money standpoint however what we started off this conversation with is we have a different type of hunter on the landscape now you can talk about and and i'm not and, and, and let me rephrase that when i asked you aaron about the the people that are hiking that are in the backcountry like you you ran into those people that wanted to go high country lake fishing Okay, well, though, in in if they're fishing, they're at the, at that point. I'm going to say they're not a hiker; they're a sportsman. They're 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 a, they're a fisherman, so they're no different than a hunter being up there. They just all of a sudden we've got a different consumptive user group that's on the landscape engaging that land, you know, that area. Now that may have created an increase uh, disturbance on the landscape. However, that disturbance was focused to around that lake, so they took the trail. And let's hypothetically go with what you're talking about. They took the trail and all of a sudden they hit a chunk of beetle kill blowdown that's uh, that's uh, two or three miles uh, of that trail. But the but the lake is there. They have Onyx. They have maps. They've probably got the 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 National Geographic freaking fold out map. They got they've got all the the G Wiz Bank shit that we have, right? Hunters have. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're going to deviate from the trail simply because the 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 blowdowns or whatever have gotten in the way, but but the the movement across that landscape is going to be focused, and it's going to be focused to a for a geographic location. It's going to go to that peak. It's going to go to that ridge line. It's going to go to that lake. I understand the impact that that has, and and I'm not discounting it. However, I look at the hunters. We have a different what like we talked about before. We have a different class of of predator a different class of hunter these days because now we are going up the mountain and rather going to the lake rather going to that peak we're going to where that elk group is and we're going right at that group of elk and then when those elk pick up and move and go over the ridge because you blew them out guess what we follow them right into the freaking hellhole that they just went into so our disturbance as hunters i'm sorry i i to your point, it's going to take a Johnny Cochran to, to to convince me to change my mind that hikers can be bad, and it might be an additive disturbance on the landscape. But the level of pro, a level of of uh, disturbance and pressure that we put on our and uh, let's just talk about elk. I want to I want to get to the mule deer hunt, so don't let me forget it. But let's just talk about elk right now, because this is what I'm not. What I'm concerned about when I see these type of policy things being talked about in, in the in you know limiting more hunts, restricting access, restricting time, restrict you know more restrictive stuff. I'm just not convinced that we're not just kicking the can down the road. We still have a shit ton of hunters that want to be out in the field. We still have a shit ton of really intense style hunting. That occurs on the landscape to the point where, I mean, how many times back where, where you guys were, where you've been going these past several years, I mean, you're still running into, you're going 12 miles back in and you're still running into other people in other places, right? So yeah. I, I just don't, I'm just not convinced that the, the discussion of limiting access, limiting seasons, limiting blah, 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 
does anything other than kick the can down the road, especially, and this goes again, and I, I will, I will, uh, I'm not going to dive into it because I'll talk about it some other time if people want, but I've talked about with you, you know, it's very, very popular these days for elk hunters to adopt a very aggressive hunting style. Hover ground, bugle your head off, go at them, pressure them, make it like, like it's it's this it's this in your face intensive hunting style that is I'm sorry it's sexy and and a lot of people want to do it to where that level of intensity and 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 I've been preaching for I don't know how many years you know I I, I prefer a a low key approach and start low and and build up to an aggressive strategy if I need to but only if I need to but there's a lot of people on the landscape from an elk hunting standpoint these days that just jump right straight into an aggressive strategy. The level of intensity that we see on the landscape and moving elk and affecting elk and changing behavior is significant. And I think the significance comes from what we as sportsmen have done and how we've changed. So if we're going to talk about having a better hunt because we're going to limit tag numbers, I can't help or limit the number of people on the landscape. Man, I can't I can't help but wonder just how significantly are we talking about having to limit hunters? Like, you know, a, a unit now has 500 hunters, so we're going to take it down to 300 hunters and and that just it just blows the doors wide open and it's fucking awesome. Or are we talking about we currently have 500 hunters and because allow me this little, this little rabbit hole because part of, and this was CBA heads, Colorado Bow Hunters Association had surveys like this. And I know the division of wildlife and uh, CPW in, in years past had uh, surveys like this part of the perceived. And you and I've talked about this part of the perceived, um, dissatisfaction with a hunt experience comes with how many encounters with other people you have and the type of encounter you have with other person. So again, we, you know, it was a joke for a while and even Corey himself joked about it. You know, he, Corey gets the note on his truck, you know, window or whatever saying, basically, can you just shut the freaking hell up? Like just put the bugle away and just shut the hell up. You're just blowing, you know, you're going across the landscape, blowing all the animals out. Right. So, what is if we if we if hunters maintain this aggressive style of hunting elk hunting what is going to be oh hell where's mine you're bringing I know, right you're bringing food and, oh. my point <laughs> being is it's what what, you, what what level of reduction in tag numbers are we going to have that have to have in order for hunt satisfaction to go up because if we if we if we've only reduced the tag numbers by say 20% but we're still having 90% of the elk hunters out there adopting a very ex- aggressive hunting strategy did we do anything like from a hunt satisfaction standpoint did we actually do anything other than just exclude people off the landscape and, I, and that's difficult and i mean the, i don't have the an thing answer you would have to have some really good mathematicians and a lot of, I don't know, polls, whatever, like 
Well, a lot of people have to come in and and see. This is what, and I agree with that. But one way you get around this is doing pilot studies. And I don't yeah. know why the, the CPW isn't looking at saying, okay, let's let's do a pilot study. Like for instance, and, and maybe and maybe they're they're collecting the data. Eighty and eighty one would be a great example of of a place where we could have been. I hope they're collecting the data. I don't I don't know if they are, but it would be awesome if they are. We just made eighty that we. The, the, the state of Colorado just made unit 80 and 81 uh, last year, limited draw for archery hunting. I'm hoping they are collecting data like freaking mad to see what actually changed on the landscape with the, with the reduction in the numbers that they did. What did hunter satisfaction do? You know, what were the daily in, you know, uh, experiences of people getting into elk or hearing elk or what? I want all the metrics, man. But so, I can't, I can't say with a, like a broad study, but I had a friend come out from Virginia Beach and hunt in that area. He hunted it four years ago, and he he hunted it this year. Hmm. And he, you know, he ended up shooting like a four by five, three and a half year old bull. But I was in elk every day. It was amazing. Like I loved it. And I'm like, well, define into elk because he's not like a super experienced uh, elk hunter, but a very fit, very smart guy, like just a step. Man, it was an amazing hunt. I blew a couple stuff, you know, I blew a couple, you know, situations on big elk, uh, ended up killing this bull. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, having hunted that area recently, right, like, right. That, that sounds good. Where this comes into play, though, with what we're talking about was one of the things you and I have talked about, not hurting the the monetary portion of this towards parks and wildlife so when you look at that do you limit the the amount of tags by a significant amount increase the price of the tag for in-state and out-of-state but mostly in-state you know taking it you know right. on the chin for an in-state person yeah i'm out of state right so my out-of-state tag 750 dollars, but in-state goes from 50 to 200 or right. or 250 Make that, you know, and you can figure that out quickly mathematically. Yep. If it's 50 normally and it goes to 200, well, that's 150, right? So that's five, 500. You decrease it by that percentage if you've raised it up that much. I see where you're decrease going. Decrease the amount of hunters, right? And then you've, you've also not hurt any monetary portion of this or financial portion of this for the Department of Wildlife and, you know, whatever, that whole thing. And and will the the outcry from I'm going to get hate mail from just saying that shit. Right. But will the outcry from public land hunters be high? And it's like, well, look at it this way. If you're a public land guy. Right. And, and you're a resident. And you, you don't draw a tag like the chances of getting one, if it increases, is it worth it? Because if you're an out of state guy. And these numbers I'm talking about happen. You, your your tag goes from seven hundred fifty, let's say, to a thousand dollars. Right. So, how much money did you lose, or did you save? Right. Go ahead. Right, and and if you jump that price up, you're going to have natural attrition anyway, because it will price people out of the out of the out of the uh, the playing field. I mean, there's going to be some people that nope, it's too expensive. I can't get into that, you know, and I can't do that. So, uh, keep going. Yeah, yeah. But with that, um, as I'm stuffing my face, but with that. If you could hunt every year and you spend 750 on a tag, 
five, let's say 400 on fuel, whatever other, uh, 1500 bucks. You have a 7% chance of killing an elk. If you bump that up to where you went from $1,500 to $2,000, but you went up to 30 to 40%, less time in the field, higher percent chance. Now, this goes into your study that you read, not your study, but the study you read. If one of the number one goals is to bring elk meat back, that's a victory because less time in the field, meaning you're not wasting vacation and things like that higher probability of killing an elk. But maybe I'm wrong because what you just read is people want to go hang out around the campfire and don't give a shit about killing an elk. See, and and so again, that this is what again this is what do they say? Facts are pesky, statistics are pliable. You know, that's the yeah, problem. Yeah. You get you get, it <laughs> depends on how you worded the question. you know, the questionnaire is at the bat at, at at the bottom of this you know, uh, survey. So you can go and read it, but to your point, if people were motivated to go kill something and that's what they actually wanted to do and limiting the tags, increase the efficiency and by which people could get into elk and then hopefully fill their tag and they fill their tag earlier. They, they say have a week long hunt, but they kill on day two or kill on day three. Well, then that is the rest of the, that, that, block of window of those hunters that are spending time packing an elk out and they're not chasing and harassing other elk on the landscape, which then helps with the overall relaxation of the herd, overall energetics of the 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 herd in there. You know, so and, there's and there's some the very of the hunt later right, on. Right. So there's there's some really serious benefits of that. Unless the survey's correct and, and the people are like, you know what? We we don't care. We're we're gonna we're gonna continue to hike around. We're gonna do. It's like I I don't know. I don't know because let's. I I want to pivot again on the unintended consequences. There are some people that want to make it in a straight eighty twenty across the board. Eighty percent of ta all tags go to resident. Twenty percent go to non resident, and they want to limit over the counter to. Uh, over-the-counter units are limited draw for non-resident. It's over-the-counter for resident. That's going to significantly impact the money that the agency is going to be bringing in. Are resident hunters willing to step up and fill the budgetary gap that's going to come with such an excessive loss of non-resident dollars? And I And I say that. Because I know some of people are going to be like, well, and they're going to, they're, even when there was a, a fee increase last time, there were people that bitched a fit. But if we talk about what you're talking about, Aaron, and you say, well, we're going to bump it up, you know, to 200 to 250 bucks for a resident elk tag. Are hunters going to be willing to do that? Or are they going to scream bloody murder? Because if you scream bloody murder and you're like, no, we don't want to pay that. Okay, well, what, then, then the only thing, in, and I think that the state of Colorado is already moving in this direction. The only thing that the, the agency can do then is go find money from the non-consumptive user groups. They're, they're, I, I truly believe that they're already angling to create some sort of fee, tax, permit, says whatever, from the recreational community, especially the ski industry, 
outdoor recreation industry. And and I'm not talking about a habitat stamp. I'm not talking about some voluntary thing. No, I'm talking about, you know, when you buy a ski pass and, you know, a $25 fee gets tacked onto it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I you're, think they're, you're, you're going hiking. It's 25 bucks. Correct. There, there's going to be some sort of consumptive use or non-consumptive use permit type of deal. Like there's going to be something coming from the non-consumptive use industry, which guess what that does, folks? That puts the non-consumptive use industry at the table. Now they have skin in the game. Now they're pitching in significant dollars towards wildlife conservation and the state agency function to where you're going to have by default guaranteed and I and I don't blame them. You would have more, you would have significant demands from the recreational community or yeah, outdoor recreational community to have better representation on the wildlife commission. Maybe it's a bigger with, wildlife commission. With, where, with this, and I have seen a ton of comments about hey, whoever says we need to increase hunter numbers is full of shit. We don't, you know, all this. Yep. Does yep. by default increasing price. Weed out the wheat, still have an increased price, lower pressure, and not give the hiking community a platform and solve all problems. Now, some people are going to be screaming at the whatever their cell phone right now. I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm just saying think outside of the box. It, it, it has to. It has to be. It has to be it, to have intellectual honesty in this discussion. It has to be on the table. You have to. You have to entertain. You don't have to accept it, but you do have to chew through it. So when you look at this, the best case scenario would be increasing hunters, the vote, but not increasing pressure. Increasing a price for an in-state hunter would oh, solve that problem. Oh, okay. Uh, increasing the increasing the individual contribution of hunters to Okay. Of a, if if things come gotcha. down to a vote, right? Gotcha. If we yes. vote for gotcha. wolves or whatever, increasing that but decreasing the amount of obtrusiveness in the ecosystem, things like that. So, but how do you the, the how, thing is, is how do you do that though? How do how do you attract more hunters into our community? Again, so you you listen to, I I think you listen to the podcast I did you know you know uh, the house that Ted built my you know I was I was using the frat house uh, analogy how do we how do we entice more people to come into our house but we're saying we want you to be part of our house but you're only allowed to in you're only allowed to participate in the backyard barbecue you know once every two or three years and you, you're not allowed to use the the pool or the jacuzzi uh, except every other year. Like how do how do you entice how do you entice more that, people in? What if that jacuzzi took ten years off your life? What if that jacuzzi gave you a once in a lifetime experience? So if when they came out they experienced, and I'm not saying this is fact. I'm we're just throwing shit against the wall. If the if the but, number one if the number one and two responses I want to go spend time in the woods with my family. Oh, dude, that fucked up my whole argument. Right. That doesn't count. I mean, I'm out of the fucking picture. Right. I'm not I don't even get to vote because for me, it was when I go out in the wild, I want I don't want to see hunters or, or very few. I want to be into elk and I want to take an elk home or a mule deer. Those are my you know, that, that's what I want. Right. If 
my, my you know, what's most important to me is like five, six, seven, and eight. I mean, maybe I'm talking about all this shit for no reason because maybe people want to pay seven hundred fifty dollars to go hang out with Uncle Ted or Bill or Dave or whatever. And uh, you know, because I, I just, um, I'm not saying I, I want a gimme, right? But when I go hunting, I want to experience a good hunt. Now, it sounds like other people could give two shits if they see an elk, as long as they have some money towards conservation and get to hang out with family. You know, that's way different than my mindset and my, I don't want to say values, but my, you know, my goals and my aspirations when I head out on a hunt. So if if somebody said, and again, we're talking about tons of different mindsets and everything else, Aaron, Chris. You guys are going to head to pick a state. I don't know, whatever. New Mexico. You're going to go hunting, right? We want you to make a video, talk about elk hunting. We want to talk about the outdoors. What are your top four, right? What What do you want to achieve from this video? I'd say, well, I want it to be informational or we wouldn't be making a video. Yeah. I want to be into elk so people can see what it's like. I want to kill an elk and I hope it's an old one, right? You know? And I want to, you know, I want to bring the elk home, right? That they, generally what I would perceive from my demographic of what a successful elk, uh, elk hunt was. That is a victory, right? That's what I want. That's what I hope to see. That's what I want in Colorado. That's what I want in all states. If you ask someone, it sounds like nowadays, it would be like, I don't mind spending the money. I just want to be outdoors, hang out with my family. And I think number four was take an elk home. Is that right? Yeah. Was it, or, okay. So yeah, was it three, three? I'm, I'm bringing it. Up. Okay. Game meat was number three. Okay. So think of it this way, and this is what I have trouble wrapping my head around. Chris, you're going to go to a golf tournament, and your number three goal was putting the ball in the hole. Right. Right. You know, that that's what's hard for me to wrap my head around. Right. It's like, hey. But you know, but you but we know but we know darn well there are people that go on golf trips so they can drive around in the golf cart and they can go flirt with the golf cart girls and and buy and drink and and hang out and just screw around and and listen the last time I golfed it was we were gonna hit the ball and just play whatever fairway it landed on and we hoped we got the direction correct when 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 I, we I can tell you if I went golfing it would be to go get fucked up. Right, so but I am know, not. But, so... but here, here's the thing, though. You know what? I'm not. I'm not a fucking golfer. <laughs> yeah, right. Same so way. you know, are you a hunter? If right, you're going that... out, I get it. I'm not right. taking anything away from them, right. but it's like okay, there's got to be a solution. So if the price increase raised, would those people still want to come? Would they still pay? Or would it weed out some of the, I don't want to say the weak, but would it weed out some of the less serious hunters? And no matter how this shakes out with shit talking online and everybody else, you know, like it's a problem. It's at the forefront. It's happening. We do need more people voting when things pop up, but we do need less pressure. Like people talked about, there was a video you, I think you sent me today on shed hunting. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A guy had posted you know, the pressure with shed hunting or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, if, and, and I'm trying to be 
funny but not too much of a dick here, but like if I was told or I told you, Chris, you're going to have to pay $750. You've been living in Michigan for most of your life. You've dreamed about elk hunting. You have a 7% chance of success. Do you think that's high or low? You don't know. You've never been out. Yep. And then you ask a guy like me and I'm like, dude, if you see an elk, you'll be lucky. Like, what do you mean see an elk? And I'm like running away, hear one, like luck. You saw that. So let's break that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's break that down mathematically. You're going to take a week off of work and you make four to five grand a month, right? So $1,200 a week. You're going to lose 1200 bucks from your pay. Now, you may have vacation, but then your wife's going to divorce you because you're not taking her to the Bahamas, right? And you're going to spend from Michigan, fuck me, 500 bucks on fuel. You're going to spend 750 on a tag. So at this point, we're pushing 2500 bucks. You're probably going to get the bug. You're going to buy a bunch of gear and shit you probably don't need or you might need. You're going to buy backpacking food. So we're, we're pumping it up to $3,000 now for seven fucking percent. So maybe I'm wrong in the fact that the, the key to victory is, is, is meat in the freezer. Maybe I'm wrong, right? But if somebody sold me on that, that would be a tough fucking sell. We're, I mean, we're talking the best car salesman in the world. Like, Aaron, you're going to drop three grand for a 7% chance of success. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the way I've been looking at, at this isn't, isn't right. Because what, with what you read off on that survey, it is different. Well, what I thought. It, right, no, uh, right. I mean, I've I've said it for years. I mean, I'm the same way. You know, I, I would always hear that, and and I'd just be like, Who, I can hike 365 days a year. Like, I can go camp anytime I want. Like, this, what? The, what? No. What? No. But here's the other. Okay, so here's the. <laughs> I, I'm again, again, Aaron, and the, and I hope, and we, we've talked about making this little thing we've got going here. A, a regular type of deal where where you and I sit and we we hash through some ideas like maybe once a month or whatever, and I'd love that. Um, because here's it, and this is got this has been a recent theme of mine lately. And so you know I'm not gonna I I, I just said on my podcast today, um, you know I'm not abandoning the elk stuff I'm doing. I'm not abandoning the uh, the educational stuff I'm doing. I, I will get to that. But right now there's there's some things that I think we need to chew on. Policy wise, advocacy wise, and sportsman, uh, you know, thinking wise, to where you know everybody wants to stay in this comfort zone. Everybody wants to stay in their silo, and everybody wants to just you know, again, with my analogy of the of the frat house, everybody wants to stay in the backyard at the party. You know, maybe coming back and forth in the kitchen to the to the refrigerator and getting another beer or whatever. But everybody, that's 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 the fun place of the house. But there's a lot of other business type of stuff that and and other stuff that's going on in the front of the house, in the middle of the house. Um, everybody wants to have the stay in the easy. Everybody wants to have the fun. But if all we do is stay in our silo and we don't like if if we just stay in the comfort easy conversations, we're we're gonna. It's not that we're not going to move the needle forward. We're going to lose. And so the adage I've, I've, it's not my quote. I don't know if it's Ronald Reagan or whoever said, but if everyone in the room is in agreement, then someone is not thinking. And if nothing else, if, if someone, if, if nothing else, then maybe you may, maybe what I've been doing lately with, with you and, and others 
is just to be the guy that sits in the room and says, all right, I'm going to play devil's advocate, or I'm going to just, I'm just going to take something and I'm just going to chuck it in the mix. And they're like, all right, chew through it because this is also there. Cause I can't help but wonder two things and, and taking a, and I don't know how the agency is going to, to manage this because taking a, a lesson from the playbook of Arizona. Okay, so I, we make all non, non-resident non hunters limited draw. And we we significantly make it limited draw. I know for a lot of fact that if you see what happens in Arizona, one person draws the tag and five other guys show up with them. And those five yep. other guys are on the landscape. Those five other guys are going over. There's there's two guys going this way, two guys going that way, and these guys are going to go over here. And these guys are scouting. These guys are calling. These guys are locating. These guys are... So you can have a limited number of people that actually have a functional tag. But I can absolutely see, especially given what this thing says, where I want to go spend time with family and friends and, and just go spend time in the outdoors, Fine. So it turns into a non-resident has to draw the tag every three years. There's three of us. So, you know, Bill draws one year, Tom draws the next year, and Larry draws the third year. But guess what? Every year, all three of us are going out. And and and, and while, while Bill and, you know, Larry are over here, I'm going to be like, are we actually going to limit the number of people that are on the landscape in the unit? Or are we just going to limit the the dollars that are brought in to the agency? Number one. And number two, have we not just brought, like you said something and it sparked a, a thought. You don't want to run into other hunters out in the field. You, you, you don't want to run into yeah. anybody, right? Well, not anybody, but a lower amount. Correct. Can I rephrase your statement? You don't want to be negatively impacted by other people. Like 100%. you like you could see yeah. them out there. If they're not screwing you up, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if I'm an elk, and, and this goes back to what our conversation was on our latest marathon in the fact that if we had more animals on the on the landscape. And we had better habitat on the landscape to where the elk didn't have to take these massive movements to refugia and, and we could get into elk more. I wouldn't care if I ran into a hunter down the down the ridge because I've got elk over here bugling that I'm going after. And guess what? I don't have to worry about him in my back pocket because he's got a group of elk over there that he's going after. We all have our own elk and we could go out the landscape. So I don't necessarily care that I see hunters on the landscape. What I care about right now is if I see a hunter on the landscape, I know I'm in direct competition with them because the elk numbers are low or they're quiet or they're, you know, whatever's going on. Are we, is all, is all of this, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this, I'm going to ask this question and then I'm going to answer part of it. Is, is all of this simply the, the result of, of what we're of what we've been doing on the landscape. I, I I mentioned before that the fact that the sexy way to elk hunt these days is that aggressive elk hunting style, which ends up being very intrusive, not only to other hunters on the landscape, decreasing their satisfaction on the landscape, but that very intrusive aggressive style is very significantly it it, it impacts elk behavior significantly and almost immediately and drastically. So 
it has the the culture of uh, the very culture of our elk hunting today simply exacerbated this entire thing because uh, would we let, let me let me rephrase it would we be and i'm gonna this is point blank but i'm gonna punch you in the freaking skull would we be here today if we we had a we had a less intrusive style of hunting and or how about this one we had a deeper sense of moral duty to other people on the landscape like we 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 intrinsically were just more considerate of other people out there and their experience on the landscape and how we might be affecting them. Now, Some of that, though, would be knowledge. Some people don't know that they're intrusive or doing the wrong thing. And so right? this is where it gets difficult. So if you took, I'll leave you out of it and I'll leave me out of it. So let's take, well, let's stick to elk. Um, I just watched, I don't have TV, so I was at in South Dakota and good Lord, I am not picking on anyone if this gets released before the Western Hunt Expo, but I watched some crazy shit that I couldn't believe they posted, and it was like this elk hunt-a-thon. Corey was in it, and like the peaks, I think they make walking sticks and some gators and shit, and some dudes in Oregon, Randy Newberg, and it was like, there and there were some guys from Montana, all good dudes, right? Hunting all over the, the West, and and, and uh, just I'm not say saying it. it. Just say it. It's on my podcast. I'll take the hit. Well, what? No, no. I just so I look at that, and I'm part of the problem too, right? But when you look at that, like um, Corey and Dirk, um, you know, they're hunting one area, and it looks like buddy teams, right? And it's like, okay, they're selling a dream, which I love, right? All those guys are good guys, right? They're selling this. The Primos thing 100%. 20 years ago, right? 100%. 100%. Now they're on public land. The one thing that's left out with some of that is the experience, right? Corey Jacobson's hunted elk since he popped out of the womb, right? His dad's Rocky. They right. had elk calls, right? Ever. Dirk, arguably as good, if not better, than Corey. Right? Now, Randy Newberg, he had a new guy with him, but I'm watching this and it's like this, this rock hard killing elk like people are going to watch it get them in the wild and then i'm like you are selling a fucking fairy tale <laughs> like like okay let's go to the reality and i'm not taking anything away from this like it was super cool i, I liked it they got into elk and everything else but the reality is is like most of not all most of those guys were very experienced hunters when you bring a guy from back east midwest down south right they went from, okay, well, here's here's Corey, or if you were on that video, right? Here's you. And then, I mean, we're talking, like, multiple flights of stairs. Like, I mean, think about it. Right. You've never hung out west, and you look at the trailheads to hike in on. You're scared shitless to backpack in. You don't know anything about elk. You've paid $1,000 in Montana, 750 in Colorado. 
they're selling a dream. It's awesome. It's great for marketing. They're selling products, right? They're wearing fucking these gaiters and shit that makes no sense to me because it was sunny out. They're using walking sticks. They got backpacks on. Where you know, gritty uh, Bowman Brian Cole, he the guy I partnered with before. He's out there. He's into elf. And it's like, you know what? All of you left out is these motherfuckers live out here in right. elk with inside intel. Right. They know what they're doing. The other guys come out. They're screaming on their bugles because they, they think that's what's right. They're obtrusive to elk. They're running away, right? They're, they're blowing out the herd. They're scaring all this off with, in most cases, a 7% chance of success. So when we talked about, like, lowering numbers, like, does that help? Is it... Is it you would have to go to a five-point unit. I agree with you on that. You'd have to bump up in-state price of tags. You'd have to lower out-of-state hunters, uh, I think, anyway, right. to, to make this all work, or I just don't think it would work. I, it would be a very short-term success and a long-term defeat. And, and, and that's what I'm worried about. I, I'm it, it, We've seen the unintended consequences already from – I I think I think if people were honest about it, I think the bulk of the of the hunters were honest. Maybe based on this survey and other other, we that was like one part of the stat. We didn't even dive into the whole survey. Um, the hell was my point? Son of a bitch. I don't know, but let me take over for a second. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm getting yeah, yeah. I just I try to parallel all these things. It's been the worst winter in Wyoming where I'm at than they've had in Ooh, decades. Yeah. It's, it's not bad for what I'm used to, but I can only go to the gym so much and I can only blind bail so much. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I might take a ice fishing, right? So I, I, a, a buddy of mine, Patrick, comes to the office today. He works uh, for the city or, you know, whatever the state here. Super good guy. I'm like, hey, Patrick, I know nothing about ice fishing. He comes over, we're looking at the uh, the little pop-up thingy and the sled, the auger. So we're looking at $750 for this pop-up thingy-dingy, right? So I don't freeze to death. I got a buddy heater involved. I got an auger. I got to buy some little short fishing poles and some shit and a $300 Garmin depth finder thingy-dingy, right? And, uh, you know, I don't know shit about ice fishing, obviously. And it's like, okay, well, man, this is good. My wife and I can do it. We can get in the... And I want people to really think about what I'm saying because I'm putting myself into an out-of-state hunter that hasn't really gone. Okay, so I've got like 750 here, 300 there. I got 2,500 bucks locked into ice fishing. And then let's say at the end of that, and you haven't even done it. Like you don't even know if you love it yet. Like mm -hmm. that—that's what you've got. I, I like. I love fishing, or I love hunting. Right? I'm doing air quotations. Because let's say you're down for down, you love whitetail hunting, so you love hunting, right? Yeah. I love fishing, right? I love high country fishing. So, okay, Aaron, you got, you know, on a poverty budget, you know, X amount, you can sit on a bucket out on the ice, freeze your balls off, and then you, uh, Aaron, you got some money, spend it. Yeah, you, I can get an ice house. So we tell this whole story. I buy all this shit, and at the end of the rainbow, they say, Aaron, you have a 7% chance of catching a fish and i'm like a day they're like no no in a in a fucking week for the week every the day week. in a week <laughs> you have a seven percent chance of catching a legal fish and i'm like 
and this, I mean, I'm telling the story. This happened today, right? I'm, I'm adding up all the, You got a 7% chance of catching a fish. And I'm like, jeez. This didn't happen because I have a much higher percent. Uh, you know, fish, fish are everywhere, right? But it's like, hey, okay, you do all of this. I'm green as grass. I, I know how to fish. I know how to hunt, air quotation. I don't know how to ice fish. Totally different ballgame. It's like... 7% chance after spending all of that money to pull a fish through a hole or, or, and the fucker might come off the line or I might, and again, air quotations, miss my shot that I got. So after seven days, the fish is to the ice hole. I'm pulling that thing through victories there. The fucker swims down, comes off the hook or you miss for $2,500. Or they tell me a different story and they're like, hey, Aaron, you buy all this stuff. You can fish three lakes out of 50, right? Or, or whatever the analogy wants to be. But, man, you're, you're probably going to catch some fish. That sounds good. Selling Western hunting. So dipshits like me or Cam or Corey or you or whatever, when I say that, meaning we've sold Western hunting. Yeah. We didn't do a lot of mathematical equations for the people listening in whether it's our fault, the state's fault, management of wildlife, you're probably not going to kill a fucking elk in Colorado if you come out west and hunt OTC. Then we talk about what we've been talking about. Limiting tags, more money. I mean, you know, people can scream and yell all they want, like about what we're talking about. The reality is, is the numbers are going down. They're not going up with success. The number of hunting pressure here, yeah, out west, is going up, not down, for, for, for hardcore, dedicated hunters. I just don't see any other way than the five-point restriction increased in public, or, or excuse me, increased in, 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 in in-state or resident hunting fees, lower number of out-of-state hunters. I, I, don't see it, I don't see any way around it. I just don't. Um, well, and I'm going to get yelled at for that. Well, but, I, yeah, I... I don't know. We could maybe we save your mule deer because I did. I, I sent you that the winter range one for a reason because we I had some things that we could chat about, but maybe we save it um, for our next discussion. Um, because this is the thing is, I this whole thing has been about for me just to explore this. On, and I'm just I'm just scared of the unintended consequences that we're going to face with this across the West, not even just in Colorado. We're we're gonna we're we're about to lob a freaking cinder block into this beautiful high mountain lake. The ripples are going to go everywhere. So, and we've already, in my opinion, we've already seen the unintended consequences. I think if if people were honest, I think we've seen the unintended consequences of changing the the season structure in Colorado these these past several years. Just in the sheer fact of, you know, opening weekend now starts Labor Day weekend and the absolute sheer number of people in the field, recreating, you know, hiking, leaf pop, you know, leaf photography, whatever. All all of the people that are in the public lands on Labor Day weekend, that's our opening weekend. And then right on the heels of that being our first opening weekend, which is a long weekend. So everybody, their brother's uncle out is out. We roll directly into muzzleloader season, which then just continues that exacerbation of the 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 disruption of the yeah, early the, part of the season to where it yeah, literally gets pumpkin army, right? Right. It's to where it literally 
it really has gotten down to in my this is my personal opinion we have significantly degraded the hunt experience of the first two weeks of season and which then just predisposes the last two weeks of season probably going to be better to to get on animal which then predisposes most everybody's going to stack in on those last two weeks of season it's like i don't we we I don't think we moved the needle and and gave ourselves a benefit. I think all we did was we traded evils. That's all we did. We we traded one value set for another value set and ended up in the same damn place. And and I'm that's what I'm worried about in this case because and, and I'll let people listen to our you know I'm going to release this discussion after you guys release our conversation. I, I, we we have decreasing elk numbers. If we, we're, the agency can only manage the numbers of animals. They cannot manage the habitat. That's the federal lands type. You and I spent a good number of, a good amount of time. Well, in that one, we, we spent a good number. I, Chris Rowe, spent a good number of time, good amount of time pissing people off. I'll, I'll own that one. But we spent <laughs> some time talking about, hey, again, I'm going to throw the question out there. I'm going to, I'm going to send something out there. I'm going to let you chew on it. It might be a big honking bone with a bunch of gristle on it. Freaking chew through it, damn it. I want to see what you have to say at the other end. So I'll let people listen to our discussion. But I made the case in our discussion about we need to start, rather than looking at what's going on from hunter pressure and, and restricting access and restricting numbers, restricting people, blah, 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 blah. I think if we could shift the narrative and start putting more focus on can we just start growing more elk how about how about we start working with our federal land partners and really making concerted effort to start growing more elk better improving the habitat on the landscape to where the habitat on the public lands is better than the habitat on the private lands to where the elk are less likely to want to move by themselves you know i know it's a tall t- it's a it's a it's a big ask i i know that it is but that route of discussion and that level of intellectual engagement actually moves the needle of in, increasing the health of our ecosystems, increasing the productivity of our, our public lands for producing game animals, which then, again, I made the case with you that our the hunting, the carrying capacity of hunters is not a regulatory mechanism. It's it's a critter mechanism. Our habitat is critters. If we had more ha- critters on the landscape, we could have more hunters on the landscape that would not be interfering with one another and we would not have a degraded sense of satisfaction on our hunt. I, I just feel like these type of discussions, and I, I know that this is where it's the, the entire West is going to move to, but I just feel like these type of discussions are nothing more than kicking the can down the road on a slow well, decline that this plane, well, the engines died and we we're just slowly cl- coasting into the dirt. Let me, let me, with, with what you said, there's validity to that, but let's take unit 43 for elk. I don't give a shit. It's fucked up, right? It's a horrible unit now. 45, one time yeah. that, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I'm going to use 43 maroon bells. You can't shit by the lake, right? You got to pack it out. It's insane. So unit 43 and it's OTC, right? Public land. So 
where I would push back on you, if that's OTC public land unlimited, right? I have, I'm going to pull these numbers. These are straight out of my ass because I just don't know how many people I know how many I've seen back there. Cause that, at one time I hunted that now it's, you know, crazy. If you had, I don't know, a thousand people that hunted that for archery and you cut that down to 500 with what Chris said, would that make a difference? Because the 500 are still hardcore hunters, right? Meaning there's still a, a large amount of pressure, right? Whether if you, if you went from a thousand to 500 at face value, that's got to help because you're dropping it down by half. Now we'll just take the mathematical portion for in-state hunters. That was $50. Now it's a hundred. We've made that up, right? So, you know, we, we got the money back. Will it be kicking the can down the road to a certain degree because of you know, which you would need mathematicians and different surveys and everything else. We've dropped it by 500 people. It's got to get better. But maybe that 500 people that are in there now are hardcore hunters, right? They put in for the tags when they were supposed to. You know, it's a zero point unit, but you got to put in for the draw. Let's say the 500 that didn't get to go were the ones that didn't give a shit anyway. They never put in for the tag. At that point, with what you're saying, nothing has changed. Yep, nothing you, at all. You didn't move the needle at all, except gave up a shit ton of money. No, money's uh, even because we charged double. Fair, fair. Okay, fair, so, fair. So all you've and, done, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's fair. All you've done is excluded a, a group of people from being able to go. Potentially could help. Could potentially could end up exactly where you were at because you weeded out the people that weren't dedicated, right? Those are gone. So were the ones that stayed in there, though, not as aggressive. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I don't know, right, to, to this. Now, though, you've got half the people that aren't contributing to even though, you know, shit, whatever, to the local economy and all that shit, right? Like, they're, they're I mean, it sounds like the other 500 just came to drink beer and, and, and fuck around anyway, right? So they are helping the economy. Right. It's a tough choice. But, like, when you look at a unit like 43, where... At one time, I could go back into and get into elk all the time. Those elk are gone. Is that hikers? Is that hunters? Is it a combination or whatever? You know, tons of shit. Man, you would have to really dissect. You, you would have to have some some statisticians and mathematics and a lot of surveys to figure it out. But let's let's rewind that a little bit. Let's talk about limited entry tags. I want you to go into real quick without us staying up all night. Talk about point creep and, and, and like, you know, lifetime point units, like 14 to 25 point limited entry oh, yeah. tag units. Well, I mean, well, so yeah, unit one, I burned 12 points on that to get that tag in 2009. I don't think you can touch that thing now without what, 17 plus points, probably more than that. So, I mean, yeah. you're, you've got some of these units, and, and I, this is part of the thing that I see is going to be problematic with this, is you do have a bunch of people that were sitting on point. Now, with that being said, I will say that part of this survey and part of the discussion yeah. that might come down the pipe with the CPW is also having discussions of, you know, uh, being able to use yeah. preference points. Let, let, let me interrupt just real quick, because I want to make sure for people that don't, under, don't understand Colorado specifically. 
If you don't draw your tag because of point creep, you don't have enough, your ass is probably going to OTC. Right, 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 right. And at so least, if you have... At least, at least as it sits now, yes. Right, so which is what I'm going to lead you into after this. So if you have 18 points, you've got a chance or you're waiting for the 20-point unit. You cannot split points in Colorado. You can't share points. You know, you got your points and whatever fairy dust that's rubbed into that fucking algorithm, I don't understand. Um, because you can you can have 22 points and put in for a 22-point unit and not draw it for another five years, right? It's not guaranteed. Right. The the demand the 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 number of people that are, that want that tag far far exceed the number of tags that are available, and the people that are putting in for that tag have a bunch of points that that could draw it to where they are just moving that sled. They're they're just pushing that sled. What are, what are those fitness sleds in the gym? They're they're yeah. they're just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, push, and they just keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. If you guys are pushing, everybody's getting one preference point a year. You're all moving at the same pace. The only time yeah. you're going to draw that tag is either on a random draw. If there's a hybrid where where you you get a you get a a, a lottery, if you will, that's great. But if not, the only way you're going to draw the tag is if you if everyone else that has more points than you has either given up or they've drawn the tag and burned their points and they're out, they're, they get out, they're, they're no longer in front of you. You're not only pushing the sled, you're also stacking a 45 pound go. plate on it every go. year. There you go. Yep. So right. what would you say the decrease in hunting pressure and OTC if the Colorado, well, it's now the parks of, parks <laughs> I, I got to wrap my head up, parks CPW. and wildlife, CPW. How much would you say the decrease in OTC tags would go down if there was a way to get rid of points? And would that be kicking the can? Because once they drew, now they're going to hunt OTC the next year after they draw. And hypothetically, let's say we opened all units up, get rid of the points. And I don't mean get rid of them fairly or relatively fairly. And then the entire state goes to a different system entirely. Because like right now, if you if if you took however many people are trying to draw, let's pick what's the most coveted unit? Uh two? Well, any yeah, two, two oh one, ten and then northwest, probably two, two or one. Two or okay. two oh one. Yeah, probably. Let's pick two oh one. You're out of state, it's seven hundred and fifty bucks. And I'm not saying you should do this, but it's $750 if you draw the tag. It's whatever amount to put in for it. If there was a checkbox that said you increase your chances of drawing this tag for $250, would you like to enter that? How many people do you think trying to draw that and get rid of these points would enter it? I don't know. Go right straight to Wyoming. Wyoming offers that option where you can have the preferred you know, you, you could bait, what is it, double? Like almost double the 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 non-resident tag. You can pay more and be put in a, in a different pool. To I don't know how popular that is. Which, I don't know, but years ago, I thought that was shitty. Now, I'm like, <laughs> right. that makes a lot of sense, right? right. So, what, Trust what, me, what, I mean, you and I are, this is the thing. We're having these conversations now, and, and I'll tell you right now, I, 
me, the younger me, me, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd be sitting there going, are you freaking high? Like you're, you're, I, I would not, I am, I am not the same person today that I was back then. And, and I know, so I, I don't even have my head wrapped around what I want, what I don't want and what I can advocate for. I mean, like I, all of this is changing to where it's like, we are on a, it's, um, it, it, we are in a different landscape. It, it's not. It's not the same place. This is why people, you know, ask all the time, do you miss Colorado? No, because I didn't leave Colorado. Colorado left me like it, yeah. it changed <laughs> the, the, the like the, the entire the, the, the landscape or the, the 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 social landscape of the state completely changed. It was no longer what I identified with and valued. I, quite honestly, Western public land hunting. I, I really am sorry to say for me is, is doing the same thing. It's, it's changing. And I don't, I just don't know if it's changing for the better, you know what I mean? And I, yeah, no, no, I believe me, I get it. And when I say this and, and I, 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 the Colorado parks and wildlife do need more money. There's going to be people screaming at every part of this conversation we've had, right. There's going to be people pissed no matter what. One of the things I'll say before I move on is if you're screaming at the microphone, computer, whatever, about our solutions, do you fucking have one yourself? <laughs> There's number right? one. Like, first, number of all, one yeah. first of all, this is just nothing but a mental exercise to get you to freaking think and like think yeah. about things that maybe you didn't think about and, and, and just really chew on. So if you this can't the handle- the same conversation Chris and I would have around the campfire. Right. If you can't handle that, your safe space is over there. We ain't come, go. Just go. When when you're ready, come back to the big boy, you know, big boy table. So, and when I say that, I'm going to give you an example. They're talking about raising money for this. Fuck that. It's my right to go hunt in Colorado. I'm a resident. It is. And it's fucking horrible on OTC right now. So unless you've got some solution, we're just throwing shit against the wall, having a conversation about what to, and I am not, Born in Colorado, I moved in 2007 to Colorado. It's horrible for our value set because if you want to go camp and you just want to yeah. go have fun with your family, <laughs> it's it's fucking awesome. It's like it, it, there you go. Well, I just I look at this with everything we're talking about. You have all the limited entry tags and the point creep and and all that. I think that a lot of people would vote find a way to get rid of points. So. Let's and, say sorry, in the sorry. So I, I, yeah. So I got off. So in the discussion coming up, uh, part uh, some of the proposals do talk about adjusting how preference points are managed. Uh, whether or not we go back to a, whether the state goes back to the offering of preference point banking type of scenario, which I loved. Uh, obviously, it doesn't help me now. I burned all of my points, but um, I, I liked the the banking idea. I understand there's short term costs, but maybe long-term benefits, blah, blah, blah. There's also an idea about whether or not you can average your preference points across a group to yeah, where, sure. yep. you know, share the preference points, which I think is, I think the state is going to have to get damn creative on what they do. But again, again, there is no free lunch. This is where unintended consequences be. It, it's, there's going to be costs on everything you do. Uh, I, you but, know, but sharing points. If you have, and I'm going to make a unit up because I don't know, whatever, 198B, which is no such fucking thing in elk hunting. 198B, my buddy in, 
I don't know, whatever. I, I, Illinois has 18 points. He's never going to draw. He's in that fucking horrible taint land of, of nothingness. Everything less. He's Jesus. I got seven extra points than I need. Right. Everything more. He will never, ever fucking attain. He will never get to it. So he says, hey, Aaron, I've got 17 points. And I'm like, shit, dude, you can draw unit 175017 with six. Jesus, dude, next year, you, me, and fucking Chris can draw that thing. Dude, we'll help you out. Right. We're going to trade. We will get you an elk first, and then Chris and I hunt after that. Right. We're going to split those points. You, you'll help us? Yeah, dude, done deal, 100%. handshake agreement. 100%. Fucking 18 points off the fucking board right there. Multiplied yep. by fucking thousands of guys. Because right. if, if and I mean, this is realistic, because I guarantee Chris and I would do this. <laughs> exactly. How many fucking people are going to get rid of pipe hitters? Get get a hold of pipe hitters out west to say, "I've got twenty one points. You want to half them? Yeah, we can go hunt sixty one, seventy six, forty nine, and, and and oh, you know, the greenhorn gets to shoot first. And I'm like, well, fuck it, I live out here, right? Hell yeah! Oh, I can stay all month. You got seven days, and I'll stay here. That is a quick way to get rid of points because. If I if I had hypothetically I don't know whatever twenty points in Montana, which I know nothing about, and I call Remy Warren, who knows Montana, and I'm like, dude, I got twenty points. What's a damn good unit for ten? Yeah. yeah. And he tells me, I'm like, look, motherfucker, I'll go with you. Get me an elk, and you've got free reign. Yeah. He would be stupid not to do it. Right. You're helping somebody out. You're right. They're going to learn elk behavior, calling. They're never going to draw it again unless they, you know, they get to go hunt it. Exactly. Yeah. These are the, the, okay. And so, and but there's somebody screaming at the phone right now saying, it's not fair. You know, I don't have the opportunity to do that. Why should you like, it's just, you know, I I don't have a 10 inch fucking dick, right? Life is not fair. There's gotta be a way that you have to, there's gotta be something that's the lesser of multiple. Right. Right. I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, we. so what? what is shit we've been on here for a little bit? Well, I, if you need to go, I'm just saying. I don't. That's the problem. Damn it, man. This is I knew this was going to happen. So when I knew this was going to happen, I'm like, fuck. It's going to be two o'clock in the freaking morning. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it now? For me, it's, it's, it's 11, 11. So. We'll just give it a few more minutes. There you go. <laughs> with the with the uh, possibilities of what you know, um, point banking, but but point sharing, whatever you want to call it, right? Would that be kicking the can potentially if you found a way? In my opinion, and again, deep thoughts from a shallow mind on a squat rack, right? Like shit goes through my mind. If you five point. True five point bull, right? That that yes. that that was that was kicked into effect. Then you had some price increase um, for in state, limited out of state for you know, and and then you got rid of the points, right? So a ton of people that were normally hunting public land hunted the limited entry units, mm-hmm. and then you had an entire coming to Jesus restructure of the entire state. So 
once everyone's points were burned, which I think would would be within three years if you did that system, or most of them. Yeah. With, with point sharing would, and everything would, else. Would, would you would you then say there? So are you saying that there would be no more point system in the like no more points are given to anybody? You have to everybody's going to basically no more no more preference points are going to be given. And we just have to burn through all the people that have the preference points, and then it goes to a lottery system. Yeah. So, well, I say lottery. Something like I that. would have to do more research, but something to where a random draw for every unit, which spreads the wealth. Right. So, if you're in a random draw for unit two after the dust settles, right? <laughs> like it's right. Okay, you're going to have a ton of people you put in for unit two. You've gotten less of a chance because there's more people, you know, in the tumblers. But you and I know of a four-point unit that's amazing. We're going to put in for that unit. It's it's fucking arguable that that would fix a lot of problems because it spreads a lot of points out and it spreads the pressure out away from public land or or OTC. So this discussion happened, came up uh, previously. So there, if you remember, there was a year or two where there was preference point banking in Colorado. And then some, I, this is rumor. I, I don't know this to be true. All I knew is something along the lines of somebody that was a decision maker felt they got screwed because they didn't get a tag because the points jumped up and so they were like fuck a bunch of this i don't want to do this anymore and they just they nixed it i don't know what happened but somebody it didn't go through the full five years it wasn't part of a five-year season structure deal it was just like let's try it and normally on a pilot study type of deal you give it a few years to actually see how it plays out they they didn't even make it that far They, they nixed it so part of the discussion back then and part of the the angst that people had was you will could could see a short term spike in the amount of preference points it takes to draw like you you've got this little honey hole of a four point unit or, or two point unit or whatever and then banking goes in or sharing goes in or whatever and people are willing to put six points they they have 18 points or whatever they're not going to draw they're willing to to burn six points over the next three, each year for the next three years, now that two-point unit just jumped to a six-point unit. And so everybody that's sitting on a two points are like, motherfucker, goddamn, like, you, you freaking screwed us, and now we've got, you know, there. that's not out of the realm of reality. You know, that's, it, it is what it is. I mean, but you, I don't know. That That's, the, the thing is, Again, that hunting is is intrinsically selfish. It's it is selfishly oriented, and most hunters do not have a long term vision on. Well, and I don't. I can't blame them, especially when you start getting up up there in years, and you've been putting in for fifteen plus on year. You know, preference points. You're like, well, I don't know how many what, more years I have, and and so I want to be able to use. I, I don't know. It's. Go ahead. So, and I'm only saying this because in the last two to three weeks, I've probably gotten no less than, when I think about this, 10 phone calls of, I have this many points. Half of those are, I'm never going to make it. Yeah, right. What's option B? And option B 
is like six, eight points. And they're like, so I put in an extra 12 years. I'm like, well, you fucked up, bro. Right. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. I didn't put you in this position. What are you looking for in a hunt? I don't know. And it's like that mental block of I put in for 20. I need a 20 point unit. Right. And I'm like, well, fuck my life, man. What about a 12 point unit? Right. If a 12 point unit is going to get you a 330 to 350 bull, like Jesus Christ, when you started putting in for the tag, you probably couldn't even fucking jerk off. Like we're talking fucking over almost two decades ago. Right. You started putting in for this. Right. And well, now and the and quite likely that 12 point unit is going to yield you the exact same damn level of bull that you would likely get if you went to the 20 point unit. And and, and I would say more than likely, like right. almost definite at this point. <laughs> right. And so uh, and and I've been in two two and two oh one. I don't fucking like it. So I will preface that. I am not that is not my cup of tea in that terrain. It sucks balls. It's fucking horrible for me. I, I am not a two two oh one guy. And and my friend and one of the landowners I have out here, he loves it. That well, he he's one of the guys that got uh, a uh, he's he's hunted up in two two oh one long long time. <clears throat> Helped people, literally worked up there as a guide. He actually got one of the raffle tags, the the governor auction elk tag, and actually killed a four hundred and change bull up in. T- I mean, like. He is, he loves that place. That is it. I mean, he just goes up there in September just to go experience. Like, so it, every, it can be everything that any, like, like you just said, has no appeal to you whatsoever. It, look, look at, look at me and everybody has a look. At, and I don't even know why this is important, but it, it just, it just struck me. Cause look at me with my hunt this past year, all these other places I was higher elevation, got into some elk, not even any remotely what I was looking for. And then I talked to you, you said, go check this area out. And I, I, I drive in, I'm like, like just the, the clouds part of the rays from heaven shone down. And I'm like, this is, this is like, this is where I wanted to be to begin with. Like what? Like I thought the road was closed and I'm just, it doesn't matter. But regardless, there are certain things that make us jive and people get caught up in like, Man, two two oh one, it has this reputation. Ah, I'm with you, brother. It's a well. When you look at this, and you and I, I don't want to mention units with this, but are you looking for the feasibility of? And we're we're off OTC now, but burning points, right? So, are you looking for sheer numbers and rut activity? Right. Okay. That's that's you know block one. Like we'll just break it down into four, you know, pieces. Sheer numbers. Okay. Next one. Trophy potential. What is the trophy like? Go hunt and uh, who else has that? Uh, hunting fool. Hunting fool. Yeah. Go hunt. Hunting fool. Eastman's. Right. You know, the, you click the button. You, you, you got these magical fucking numbers. Three thirty. Right or whatever. That's your potential. Anyway. So, okay, you, you want a 300-plus bull. Okay. I should raise that up. You want a 330-plus bull. Yeah. And then, you, you you know, so if your number one is a wilderness experience with a 300-inch bull, two and 201 are fucking out. Right. right? That, that is not a wilderness experience. 
if you want the chances of a giant bull, the wilderness experience for the most part is really not, not anymore. Right. Yep. Yeah. Not, not so much. Yep. So when you look at, there's three units specifically I'm thinking of that are wilderness friendly and the potential of a 350, multiple numbers of bulls. Most of the people voting on this have been waiting 20 years. What fucking idea do they even have to vote? Right. They've never. And I don't mean that negatively. Right. 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 They put in for 20 years. They've never even hunted anything but OTC in Colorado. You know, so it's it's really difficult to get a good idea because, like, you know, putting myself in their position isn't possible because I've never had 20 points. I've never been out of state. I'm, there's a lot to it. And so, you know, for you know, for me, it's like, OK, you want a wilderness hunt. You want to have a decent bull. You want to have a lot of interaction. Easy. Oh, I want to shoot a 380 bull. Nah, yeah. How many, how many, how many units in Colorado would you say you can shoot a 380 bull with 25% odds? Boy, I don't I anymore. Even even in the in the unit we both were talking about for me earlier, I just don't know if it I mean do they exist? Yes. But they but they are now they are now that lightning strike, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I would say I know. <laughs> it's feasible, right? But, and, and, and I, I, you know, I haven't spent, you know, a ton of time in every unit. They're there, right? Yeah. 350. 350 right. people. Yeah, right. What would you say about that? What I, are you, what are your chances of a 350 bull in some of these? On, on some of these, on some of the, uh, I think, Doable. Okay. 330. Doable. And I would say 330 in a lot more, of these units. More doable than okay. the three. Uh, yeah. As you as you start to incrementally go down, I think your your odds go up a little bit better. So I would say 300 uh oh, yeah. roughly. Oh yeah. You're you're looking at probably a 70% chance, and I'm plenty most you know, to have an opportunity. Most units. Yep. Yep. And most of these higher point drops. 330, you're still at probably 50 to 60. 350, you're probably at 25, you know, roughly, something like that. And you can interject, but you get the idea. Yo, let, let me just take to what you were just talking about. I, this blew me away. So when I talked to, when I drew my unit nine, or excuse me, my unit one tag in 2009, talked to the game warden up there. Now, my my goal was 350 or better. I asked him, I said, so what's what's the average bull that most people are taking out of here? This is unit one, 12 points, right? This is the, the coveted northwest part of the state. That, that motherfucker is at 20 now. Let's let's remind right. everyone. That okay. thing is way up there. Right. You know what he told me? And I, I this is not an exaggeration. Okay. I'm this is not an exaggeration. A 260 bull. I went. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was literally, yes. You nailed it. I was like, what? Like, so I thought I'm, I'm like, you mean you like 360? No, 260 bull. I'm like, for unit one, like two, 260 bull. And he, and he did, he, he just said, he go, and what, to your point, he's like, most of the people that draw this tag have always have never hunted anything but over the counter. 
and they they may have a four by four or a five by five under their belt or whatever. But literally, the first six by six that walks in front of them that they look that looks big hits the dirt. And I'm like, a 260 bull is the average bull. To he's like, yeah. I just it blew me away. But then it, again, perspective. Again, we here we go back to value sets. And it, and it's and it's interesting how this has some cross pollination with some of the political stuff I've been talking about, sportsman advocacy stuff I've been talking about, and criticisms of the sportsman community lately, where experience level on the landscape is going to play into your current value set. And that is going to shape how you engage policy discussions at a broad scale. And and I again we're we're man, that this oh this this that I don't even have my head wrapped around that, but that's true. I mean that not only do you have different value sets in this in this entire discussion, you have different levels of experience to where some people don't know what they don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, and and I I I'm reminded, I'm reminded, I had an uncle, I have an uncle, who at the time his son was still in high school, uh, I think he was a freshman in high school, getting piss poor grades, and. He was wanting to try to figure out how to incentivize his son to work harder and and study more. And so he he told him, you know, if if you got good grades, I would take you on an elk hunt out west. And we were talking, and, and he said, you know, my son didn't even care, and he still he he you know blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. <clears throat> your son's never been on a hunt out west. Your your son has no idea what a hunt out west even is. I said, the best thing that you can do is take him on a hunt out West on a good, just have a good fun elk hunt out West, go pay for an outfitter or whatever, go have a good hunt. So your son knows what it is that he's working for. And then you, then, then you, then your son has an a, an understanding of what it actually, what, what good could be. And I guess that, yeah, he's got a, he's got a benchmark. Right. He's got a benchmark, which then again, we go back to and bring this back to the beginning of what we're talking about. Our benchmark, and this is what's going to make this this, this entire discussion around what happens in Colorado and I think across the West, your benchmark, my benchmark, and my experience level, and we go back to the good old days, so to speak, and what we saw in the past and what we would love to see again someday is drastically different than what maybe hunters that started three years ago, five years ago, hell, even 10 years ago, understand as their benchmark and their value set and their level of success, whatever that is, is playing into how they formulate their idea of what they want to see on the landscape from a policy change from the agency. Man... This is where I'm glad I don't work for the agency because I, I, this is where, you know, this is why biologists like just like to go in their, their back room and just do biologist stuff. Like I'll, I'll, I'll put collars on animals. I'll, I'll get telemetry deer gear and I, and I'll just run mathematical models and, and, and statistics. And then 
I take those statistics, I reach out my little door and I hand it to the managers and then I slam the door shut behind me and I go, la, 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 la. I don't want it because the manager is the one who has to take all that and freaking make the hard choice, stick their neck out, make a decision and just get it chopped off. And, 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 and here, oh, go ahead. No, and this is this is why, you know, for me in the private sector, this is why I do enjoy the management side of things that especially the habitat man, because I, I I can I can move the needle in directions. Sometimes that direction's wrong, but but I, I I can I can do things. In this case, man, this con this this topic, I don't think there is a winning solution. I don't think there's an answer. I think I, I really think all we're going to do is just trade evils. All we're going to do is just trade value sets and just, just, just like, what, what's that game with the three cups? You know, like, like where, where's the right answer? We're just going to, we're just going to move these cups around it. Like, does it matter? No. I, I, I think though, in, in, in Colorado with all of the units, with what we talked about, I don't think we're trading cups if it's a very broad, um, organized strategized game plan meaning the high point units getting rid of points complete restructure after three to five years i don't think that's kicking the can down the road some of the other potential anyway i I think some of it's putting a band-aid on a bullet hole the the one thing i would say that adds to this without you know i don't want to get into the like the minutiae of the the issue here but the perceived size of animals, the perceived hunt from social media. And, and I'll bring up a mule deer hunt. I had a guy with me who was a client. We're in the truck. We're driving out. This is a 190,000 acre ranch that we, we, we got. And we're on the way out and he's like, Hey, what are we looking at? Like 190 type bucks here. And I was like, stop, stop, stop fucking truck. And, uh, I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, we look like 190s. And I'm like, no, no, we're not. He's like, well, I had a guy tell me that uh, for this price, we should we we should be seeing 190 deer. And I'm like, oh, that that's what he said, huh? And I'm like, okay. And as you know, I have a fucking pile of 135 to 165, 170 deer. So I'm like, hey, what what's this deer score? And I'm holding up my phone hypothetically right now. He's like, I don't know, 180. I'm like, 150. What's that one? He's like, I don't know, 190, 200. I'm like, 170. What's that one? He's like, that's got to be over 200. I'm like, 176. And I'm like, look, motherfucker, you paid for this hunt because you have a legitimate chance of killing an animal every day. Like, you didn't pay for high dollar, you know. Like these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Like mm, these. And I told him, I said, we have a chance on the high end of a 170s type buck. And I'm like, 200 deer, you know, contrary to popular popular belief, don't grow on trees. These motherfuckers are hard to kill. And those hunts are like ten dollars to $12,000. This hunt was like 6000 or 5500 or whatever it was. And I was like, look, I'm going to get you on deer every day. It'll be up to you after that. It's not going to be a gimme, but you're going to have stocks every day. And if you see a deer in the 160s, you should kill it. Now, I understand where you're coming from, right, with with this guy, right? And he and I are really close friends. He's killed a bunch of shit with me. 
The thing with elk hunting that I'm kind of paralleling with this is how many of these decisions are based on the perceived size, the actual hunt they may be going on, like a lot of that, because when you're drawing for 15, 16, 18, 20 years, you don't have any background. You don't have any, not everyone, but a lot of people. No, they envision primos. I, if I'm going to put in for 15, 20 plus years, I ought to be, I ought to be having a, a, an experience like I watch on primos truth, uh, you know, about hunting that that's literally, that's my expectation. And I don't know what those tags cost, but like some of the elk tags that you look at now are 15, 18, 20, 25, $30,000. So some of the people, and I'm not taking anything away from these guys, the very maybe newer onset famous hunters that, that um, don't have the experience may have paid potentially 18 to 20 to $30,000 for an elk tag. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. But that's a private ranch. Even on a high draw unit without a guide, somebody that knows what they're doing, the chances of you having an experience like that, squeezing a fucking hoochie mama, is not great. And I think that's, well, I don't think, I know that is part of the problem with some of this is the perceived idea the perceived hunt they may have you know all of that which is oh, no 100 60 both thing yeah i'm that that's the th that's literally again this is what i get back to why i sit here and i look at this and i'm like you know i i've been i've i've seen these surveys for the better part of 20 some years um i've been involved with these discussions repeatedly uh when i lived in colorado was involved with sportsman's politics and Man, I just, I think when people see, they're not happy with what they have. They may or may not have a good reference point of a, a real grasp of what they actually have versus what they don't have. They think that it, I don't like what I have now, so something needs to change. The problem is, is just because something changes doesn't mean it changes in a positive direction. Like you can, what, what's the adage or, or the, 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 from a productivity and a work, you know, just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're being productive. Like just because you're busy, just because you're active, just because you're, you're moving doesn't mean you're actually doing something constructive and moving the needle and, and getting, you know, doing better on the landscape for yourself or, or others. I think this is the same thing here is I, I'm no, no, no. I'm worried that we're going to have the same trade-off. We, we don't, we have, I think, and, and I'm not saying this as a casting stones to Colorado residents. Cause I used to be a resident. I am now a Kansas resident and, and I don't care what state you're in. Every resident of that state hates non-resident hunters. Like, Kansas resident hunters hate non-resident deer hunters coming into the state, ruining all the deer hunting. I mean, it's just a standard basic, that's just the default position. Resident hunters hate non-resident hunters and want less non-resident hunters. I just am worried that we're going to make changes that just really don't do anything 
except set us up for deeper failure later on. But I could be wrong. No, I mean, you know, who knows? I think the the thing that that with all of this is that there's got to be a change, I guess, like to sum <laughs> all of it up. There has got to be something we have to do. And I, I go back to. I make, I make this, this. I make this great, like wrap up statement. <laughs> you just go. Yeah, there's got to be a change. <laughs> well, I mean, there's just I, I, I with with everything going on, and I'm not trying to simplify it. If we no, go I'm the route you. we are going, right, right. it's not good. Um, right. It's just not. So I, I, I just keep looking back at 15 years ago. Oh, dude, dude, I, Jesus. I, I, I sit and I look and that's just those. I mean, I've got other ones here. So in my studio, I've got my, I mean, I, I, in the garage, I got all my other elf, but these ones are the ones that are, you know, well over 300 and, and, you know, just meaningful. Well, I guess he's not, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I look here and, and I just, I, I look at across the, the you know all these animals and I'm like son of a bitch like well show everybody those animals pan around real quick with your phone well my my phone's here I'm on my computer that's the that's oh. the problem but I mean that's I mean that's that's the one where you, you know where I was but anyway I mean that they're just there's just anyway anyway my point I tell you what let's do this we've been rambling now for was this like three hours now? Better than that. Let's uh, let's see what people let's let's see what the feedback is on this one because here's what's going to happen. We, I know what's going to happen on my end. I'm going to hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we, but that's the thing though. We've got this discussion. People, we're you and I are talking about this laughing. Because we know what what the what the conversation is going to be, but the thing that I'm laughing about is people haven't listened to our latest five hour and change. I know, I know, I'm going to absolutely <laughs> piss some people off in that one. Welfare babies, baby, yeah, that's exactly it. So I can't wait to hear the feedback on that one. Just again, I'm, I'm going to throw some ideas out there. I'm going to make you chew on them. You know, if you choke on it, I'm sorry, but. You know, chew chew carefully before you try to swallow it. So, uh, people are going to listen to 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 the Kafaru Cast Marathon, the the five hour whatever. It is. I, are, are, do you know? Are you going to just put that out as one podcast, or are you going to split it and ha- like? What are you going to do? I got to talk to Jerry. We may do two. We might do one. The okay. thing is with technology, what's the fucking difference, right? Hit pause. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, yeah. regardless. Here, you know, you and I are joking right now. When when people actually listen to this, the Kafaru Cast podcast will have been released. We'll give it a few days for people to digest that one and get just really, really teed up. So that way, when I drop this one, they're just gonna go. It was like a salad spinner, a fuck. It just like it just spin completely out of control. Yeah, they'll already be having the exorcism where they're twitching and shit. But oh, it is good conversation. When is so? When are you gonna be at Western Hunt? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. When are you gonna release the Kafaro Castle one? Well, we were debating. So this is funny, not funny. We had. Don't be a chicken shit. 
Don't be a chicken. Well, he, Release it tomorrow. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about here in a sec. We had 13 other podcasts. The number one and two that we were like deciding do we release before was you and me. And the other one was me and Josh Bomar. Oh, and, shit. Come on. So, <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yes. Well, Come on. It was yeah. the, the potential fucking shitstorm I had to face at the Western Hunt Expo. Also adding to the fact I don't go to shows. So this is the first one I've been to in like six years. And so we were we were talking about it. And I'm like, look, maybe Chris Rose is better. <laughs> and, 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 and my editing guy, who's a hunter, right? He was like, what are you thinking? I'm like, look, man, one is going to be filled with 100% like deep down, you know, um, skin in the game. Like, okay. This, yeah. Yeah. The other one's going to be like, fuck, I hate this motherfucker. You know, like it's going to be, you know, and I'm like, so maybe we wait for the, for the Bomar podcast to come later. And Chris Rowe and I to come first because I've got meetings with a ton of different people. Right. And all of the people I'm meeting with are dealing with what we talked about. There you and go. And one of the things that you talked about, which was the 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 welfare baby portion <laughs> of this, I think if you really take a step back and assess, that is a very and I thought about it a lot, was like you know, because I've gotten heat from things like I'm not paying another pay for shed hunting. That's my fucking right. Is it? <laughs> is it your right to sh Dude. you know? So shit like that. It's like it's a good conversation. Dude, again, if you have emotional and intellectual maturity, you can you can listen to it and chew on it and and come out the other end. There are going to be some people though. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, you said what's the it before. Point, with what's me. the point? What's the point of you lifting all those weights and getting all those big muscles if you can't stand up and have? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it before. Like it's already baked in the cake. <laughs> I'm good, right? Like I don't mind. I, I'm used to it. But I think though that a lot of people that listen to that podcast three weeks after they have their temper tantrum right. will probably think about it. And be like you know, fuck. That made a lot of sense because why I didn't say welfare, baby. I am fucking agreeing with it. <laughs> I didn't come up with it, but like, the like more you're, you already, think about you're already hedging your bet. You're like, wait a minute. That was him. That was him. That wasn't me. I'm just, I've talked about, cause I always bounce things off of people and it's like, you know, truly, yeah, you get the people that have that big tirade of I'm not paying more. This is stupid. I pay their paychecks. I do this. I do that. And it's like, you should do some fucking math and a little bit of research because you're really not doing that much. 31 bucks, baby. 31 bucks. Yeah. 31. What I spent on alcohol for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, I, dude, I, I always, I appreciate your time tonight. And, uh, hey, you, you know, we, we talked about it. We could talk about it off air as well, but if you're, if you're up for it, I would like to kind of make our conversations more of a regular, you know, what, you know, maybe if we, even if it's not a schedule, but man, let's, I, I would like to, Everybody enjoys it. You know damn well you and I enjoy it. And we've, we've spent years not 
staying in touch and staying connected like we need to. This is a fun way to do it, especially now that you decided to live in BFE, middle of freaking nowhere, Wyoming, where it's like takes me six days and a week to get up there to visit you. So where we do don't it. have the issues that we're talking about right now, <laughs> I will say that the hunting is fucking good here and there is no Wyoming did not come up in any of these fucking conversations. I will say that like it is good hunting here and they are a 90 10 split. Right. Well, yeah. The, the, yeah. Anyway, we, we, we'll, we'll put a pin in that because Wyoming is <laughs> going to be the next Montana. Um, anyway, um, no, I, I think you do release that podcast before you go to the show. And then that way you can have some real fun at the show with some conversations after, after you, whatever you do, whatever you guys decide to do after that one gets released, we'll give it a couple of days and then we'll release this one on mine, uh, and continue that discussion. But man, I, and I, and I joked about this cause I, so I, I, I joke, I want you to see this. I joked about this last night on my podcast. So here's, I've, I've got my notebook that I was using tonight. This was the stuff. And then I've got just, these are, these are literally notes for idea, like topics and, and just wrapping my head around these. This is all for podcast shit. Like all discussions, like this, like this type of stuff to help people wrap their head around what the hell our community is these days and how the hell do we move forward in a better direction to where we don't lose this shit. You know, I mean, that's the whole point behind these discussions. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be provocative. I'm, I'm going to say things that piss people off and you just piss people off anyway. So we're going to have fun with it, but I hope, I, I hope the whole point that people understand behind this is we, we've got myself, you, others that, this isn't a, this is not this is not a sport for me and this is not my hobby this is like in my DNA who I am I, I will not be able to function there's no way I can function on the landscape and I shared my the my brief you know stint in the the waterfowl world I like I have to hunt I I have to engage the landscape in a consumptive manner that's just who I am um and I don't want to lose it. And and I, like you, Aaron, I do remember. I do have the ability to look back and go, holy shit. They're like, I've had some just incredible experiences on over-the-counter public land that I really wish everyone could experience. And... You know, we may have disagreements on how we how we approach that and get back to those days, but I think we're all on the same page that we want to get back to that type of deal. Yep. You need to have this song "Times Are a Changing" by Bob Dylan to release this. Just just to, just, to, just to fade it out, <laughs> and, and then just and then just get completely yanked because I don't have the rights to 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 post. <laughs> I'll sing it, but it's not going to be good. But yeah. Either. Either way, I, I'm looking forward to the next one. Let's definitely do one like once a month. I don't know what we could call the rant by Chris and Aaron. Um, I'm not sure, but I think it'd be it'd be good. So I'd be I'd definitely be down for it. Pissing them all off by Aaron and Chris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did we did we not get to did we not get to you yet? Hold on, we're getting hold on. Okay. We'll be right there. We can use my uh, alien cactus middle finger for the uh, the thumbnail. There you go, brother. 
All right. Well, hey, uh, we may not talk. Well, I, whether we do or not, have fun at the show. Uh, good luck at the show with your meetings and everything else. And, uh, yeah, stay in touch, brother. Stay safe. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. You betcha, man. Thanks for your time.